33 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is apologizing for his company's recent issues with mishandled data. In a Senate hearing yesterday, Zuckerberg also took full responsibility for a massive misuse of user data and the spread of phony news and propaganda. He said it's not enough to just... uh, connect people. Uh, Zuckerberg acknowledged that some bad actors have used Facebook's tools for improper purposes. He said his company has launched a full investigation into tens of thousands of apps with an eye on protecting user data. And he said those bad actors will be banned from Facebook. Pittsburgh police say they found more than 50 dead animals at a West End home Mm. yesterday. Investigators say a neighbor tipped them off to 52-year-old Dennis DeFranco's Arnold Street home. Police say they found 33 dead chickens, 18 dead Uh. ducks, and five dead rabbits on his porch in garbage bags or scattered in his Uh. yard. DeFranco is being charged with torturing the animals and is in the Allegheny County Jail. According to Channel 4's website, DeFranco is facing over 100 felony charges in connection with the cruelty. Wow. Yep. That's... Well, the laws have changed, so... Felony charges. Mm Mm-hmm. That's in, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. A man is back to normal after one of the world's hottest peppers sent him to the hospital. The unidentified 34-year-old ate a Carolina Reaper and immediately started uh, dry heaving and feeling intense pain. The pepper is hotter by far than something like a jalapeno. Within days, he was falling victim to massive uh, victim to massive crippling headaches and checked himself into the ER. The guy was suffering from reversible cerebral vasoconstriction syndrome, meaning the blood vessels in his brain were constricting. That's something called thunderclap headaches. Yeah, and you know, when you think about eating the world's hottest pepper, you don't worry about thunderclapping from your head. No, (laughs) no, that's not something you have in your your mind. The thunderclap... You would think would occur elsewhere, but the fact that you can eat something and it constricts your brain's blood vessels. Why does that exist? I feel like it's probably like like dropping acid. Like there's a 50% chance it'll be fun and you'll have a good time. And there's also a 50% chance it'll ruin your life forever and ever. And apparently right. this is what happens with this guy. Do you need like a Carolina Reaper chaperone like <laughs> when sitter. you're tripping? Yeah. <laughs> these, I'll guide you through it, man. Do these super hot peppers exist naturally? Or well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, is this man-made? Yeah, I don't know. Is this a hybrid of like a ghost pepper and they say some, this is some the, kind of explosive? The first time the condition has been linked to a hot pepper. Ugh. So be warned. Uh, you guys are all clean shaven. Guys, Thanks for noticing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you yes. get all the girls. A new survey asked right. people if they think guys look more attractive with or without facial hair. Clean shaven, the clear winner. 41% of women said guys look best with no facial hair. 14% are okay with a beard-mustache combo. 8% said just a mustache. 4% said just a beard, which is just an odd look. Oh, you mean without the mustache? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a Jebediah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. a very Amish. How do they that feel about like head about hair? We there yet? We're, no, we're, we're just talking day. facial oh, hair. Thirty three percent said they weren't sure what looks best. Uh, here's the interesting part: twenty five percent of men who have had facial hair or currently have it agreed the clean shaven look is the most attractive. 
A lot of guys with facial hair did say it makes them look more masculine, though. Uh, the survey found clean-shaven guys are slightly more likely to be seen as intelligent and trustworthy. Now, let's put me next to Chris Letang and let's redo that survey and <laughs> right. completely invalidate those results. <laughs> If you need a good reason to clean out your car or truck, this might be it. Jason Jacobs of Independence, Missouri, was cleaning out his truck and found a Powerball ticket worth $50,000. Hey. He bought the ticket ahead of the January 24th drawing and then just tossed it into the center console of his truck where it stayed for more than two months. He took the ticket to his store and the scanner read, Claim at Lottery Office, which that means it's a big one. Luckily for him, he didn't run out of time. The lottery office told him it was worth fifty grand. Uh, he says he's going to put the money into a college fund for his baby and maybe take a family vacation. It would probably be impossible to track, but how many lottery winning lottery tickets do you think just end up in the trash because they get bundled up with like a McDonald's receipt yeah. or something like that? Yeah, every, once in, out every once in a while you hear like time's running out. There's only a month left for right. this person to claim a $20 million yeah. prize. You hear that once in a while. But KT Tunstall is teaming up with Pearl Jam guitarist Mike McCready on a cover of I Won't Back Down. Scottish singer says their version will serve as both a tribute to the late Tom Petty and as a shout of support to all the people across the globe standing up for justice, equality, and demanding a better world. She's also asking fans to participate in the making of the video. She is asking them to send their favorite photos and or footage from marches, protests, or gatherings for good causes that you may have taken part in. She says she and her team will compile them into a beautiful example of the power people have to change the world. Finally, Steven Spielberg recently had a number one, another number one movie at the box office with Ready Player One. Rolling Stone has ranked Steven Spielberg's movies from worst to best. The bottom 10, according to Rolling Stone, 1941. Yeah. Is that John Belushi? Yep. Yeah. I never even saw that. It was supposed to be, you know, a blockbuster. John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Tim Matheson, um, uh, or not Tim Matheson. um, Oh, God, I can't remember the actor's name now. I can, like, I have him in my head right now. Uh, But uh, just a load of classic (laughs) characters are in that flick. And uh, it is just, it's not as good as it should be. But it's not terrible, but it. It was a flop, though, right? Big flop, and he bailed on it. He didn't go to the premiere, which pissed everybody off. I feel like when you have like a movie like that where there's like eight huge stars, it just ends up being too many cooks in the kitchen, and no one likes it. It just doesn't work. You need right. somebody driving the ship, mm-hmm. and and you can't have eight co-captains. No, Tim Matheson was in it. Or he was? Yep. Okay. So it was Ned Beatty? Yes. Robert Stack? Yes. Wow. There's a guy I'm what thinking of. Cast. Um whose name escapes me now. Rodney Dangerfield. That's not it. But Christopher Lee? No. Never mind. <laughs> Treat Williams. That's it. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Treat Williams. <laughs> oh, that was driving me crazy. What a treat. Uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, he directed the <laughs> Kick the Can segment. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. I, I loved the Twilight Zone yeah, the movie. Yeah, so did I. Uh, the BFG from 2016, The Big Friendly Giant. I never yeah, saw that. Yeah, that was bad. It looked weird. It? The, the title it was just cute. the worst. It, yeah, BFG is. Call it Big Friendly Giant. Right. A BFG, I don't, I, I'm don't. i coming up with all sorts of Big horrible F acronyms. Big Giant. <laughs> right. I thought it was a like an ACDC B-cut. <laughs> uh, the Terminal from 2004. Horrible. That's the one where Tom Hanks is stuck in an airport. Yeah. yeah. Always with the... Uh, 
Oh, it's Dre- Richard, Richard Dreyfus, John Goodman, Holly Hunter. and Holly Hunter. Not a good movie. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Indiana Jones and Terrible. the Last Crusade. Hook. Wow. Hmm. Hook was roundly panned. I never saw it. Hook? <laughs> Pun intended, right? Hook is a, right. Has, Hook's the worst. Hook, Hook as in the Peter Pan movie, is the worst? Oh, among, I, I among take, his worst. I, I take huge issue I, with that. I, I thought Dustin Hoffman was awesome and fun and... I don't know. It's a kid's movie. Yeah. And Ready Player One. I've heard people say that it's terrible, and they really wanted to like it. And The Lost World Jurassic Park. That's the one with Vince Vaughn. Oh, I don't know. Really? I don't remember him being in any of them. Where to find dinosaurs? But I think I've only seen the You're a big dinosaur, and you don't even know it. (laughs) You might need some money. (laughs) Top 10. You're Moneyopolis. You're all dines up. Yeah. Uh, Duel from 1971. That's his like signature, like the one that got him on a map. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Great. Lincoln was number eight. Mm. Empire of the Sun. <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. oh Christian Bale. Great movie. Yes. Uh, Minority Report. Never saw it. I like oh, it. It's fun. E.T. I mean, Overrated. Awesome. Sorry. <laughs> Solely uh, dependent on bad parenting. Racist. Anyways. Ca- catch Me If You Can. Awesome. Oh, so good. Movie. Great movie. Schindler's List. Yeah. Jaws Classic. was number two. And Raiders of the Lost Ark number one. Wow. Catch Me If You Can is up there with like Goodfellas in terms of movies yep. I won't turn off. Yep. If it's really? on, I keep it on. Yeah. I've two never mice seen one fell in the barrel of crime. <laughs> That is a fun movie. Oh, I haven't seen that in a so while. So good. Leonardo DiCaprio is so awesome in that movie. I mean, he does such a good job. The, it, I And that's despite the fact that Tom Hanks has the worst Boston accent mm-hmm. in the history of television. He didn't even need to do it. Just because the guy's from Boston, Tom didn't need to do one. No, no. one. Yeah, no one knew that, that that wasn't integral to the backstory. It wasn't JFK. Yeah. It's just an FBI agent. Forecast today, clouds and sun temperatures in the low 50s. It's 33 at DV. It is a DV morning show, and uh, Jeff Conkle is here, Mr. Wednesday. Uh, you might know him better as... You shake at his touch, and you tremble at what he might be a new one for playoff, for playoff season. Like... Something that rocks a little. Can, can yeah. Chip Not Demonic poppy. remix this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> For Mr. Wednesday talk. Yes, you're looking for it's got <laughs> Yeah, well, you got him. Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conk. Yeah, I don't know if we could. We could get something like that for you. It would be. Well, I don't want to step on Phil's toes. You I know. know, but we'll get your own like version of it, anyways. Jeff Conkle uh, hanging out with us. Okay. Have you guys followed at all any of the controversy surrounding? Apu from The Simpsons. No. Tangentially, yes. A little bit, yeah. So, Didn't know there was one. There was a documentary last year called The Problem with Apu, and it was done by a, uh, a comic. Uh, Harry Kondalabu. Yes, exactly. And uh, he basically talked about, well, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, room for improvement on the stereotype of the uh, Indian American. Uh, you know, it's not just people who are Seven Eleven cashiers uh, and Mindy Kaling. Like, you know, th- <laughs> there was a lot of space in between there. 
And so basically, you know, the gist of the documentary was, hey, Apu really did have a profound impact on a lot of uh, Indians who were trying to come in work in the entertainment industry because it was the most popular character. So it was how they were defined for so long. Uh, and a lot of people were calling on The Simpsons to, you know, it's it's a stereotypical Indian character voiced by a white guy. And a lot of people were calling on them to, you know, hey, you got to do better than this. We love you and we revere The Simpsons, but <clears throat> you got to do better than this. Now, um, The Simpsons addressed it, I guess, last week on the show. And then it made people even more pissed. Totally backfired. Because this is what they did. All right, it's And it's Lisa Simpson who is widely considered to be the most reasonable of all the... She's the wokest Simpson. There you go. <laughs> well, what am I supposed to do? It's hard to say. Something that started decades ago and was applauded and inoffensive is now politically incorrect. What can you do? Some things will be dealt with at a later date. If at all. Yeah, so now that was not in reference to Apu, but clearly that's what they were talking about mm. there. It was, you know... Tongue-in-cheek, wink, and uh, nudge, and uh, whatever. But that has always been the issue with the entertainment industry at large, is that there's big stereotype, broad brush strokes taken to depict any culture outside of American. Like Arabs in television. Now, don't forget, Apu started on television in 1980 what? 7. Yeah, okay. So, that was a long time ago. So, think That's like, crazy to me just that like that dynamic of this that it was that the Simpsons have been on so long that what was once acceptable is not and they're still on. And and that's exactly what they were trying to say. They're it's like, just "Hey, crazy. you know, we evolve." But then they seem to try to be giving themselves a pass there. And it got a lot of people upset. I have to tell you, this is not anything that upsets me one way or the other. I see how it upsets people. Like, I understand it, but this this just goes to my point where if you ignore, like, uh, Twitter campaigns for long enough, they'll probably just go away. But if you go and poke the bear and say, like, oh, well, you know, nice try or, you know, what basically what they were doing is is saying, like, we don't have to do anything. Right now, that's now you're just reopening and a, a for like probably a passing uh, uh, fad, I would say. So Thought Co. Uh, this website, they uh, listed all of the different stereotypes that you've seen through the years and you've become accustomed to Muslim and Arab stereotypes in TV and film. They have the uh, there's the Arabs in the desert where you see like you know the Arabs riding camels in the desert, and they list a whole bunch of reasons, or a whole bunch of uh, uh, examples. Arabs as villains or terrorists. Arabs as barbaric, and they cite Aladdin. Arab American groups, they voiced their outrage over the depiction of the Arab characters back in 1992. Arab he, he, was, he was a prince. Prince of, prince of Boo. Prince Arab uh, women always in veils and hijabs, and uh, or they were belly dancers, or they were sort of the bumbling foreigner in movies native american stereotypes in hollywood for a lot of them are in cartoons like the beautiful maiden is one you always see like pocahontas um <laughs> apparently gwen stefani dressed up for, as an indian print indian princess and the no doubt music video for looking hot never saw that one um or they'll have them as the uh stoic indians 
who say a few words. The common theme throughout a lot of uh, uh, Native American depictions throughout the 60s and 70s was that of stoicism, just kind of like very quiet, or magical medicine men, or bloodthirsty warriors like in Last of the Mohicans, or in the wild and out on the reservation. Yeah, I, I mean, th- you know, movies are about things sometimes too, and that's you know. I think that's maybe why you're seeing it as a stereotype a lot of times because they are about things that are very broad, mm-hmm. <laughs> big subjects. I think this is this is something I've been thinking about a lot, and if I was a smarter, more educated person, I'd probably write a theory about it. But <laughs> I think all the problems that we're seeing today is just because we're in the age of narcissism. There's no group mentality anymore. It's all about individual so, of course, when you're growing up, you're not going to identify with every character. There's not going to be a character that represents you to a T, or you would be that character. Right. So there's mm-hmm. always going to be something that falls short of what you think you, you, you want to be or what you want to see yourself portrayed as or, or something like that. And this it's, it just doesn't go to TV. It goes to social media and all that, that kind of thing, too. But I, I, there's, there's no... There's no pleasing everyone, I don't think. I will say the most abused stereotype, I think, that we see in movies and TV is for African Americans, the magical Negro. Now, there's a lot of those. Like, but isn't that funny? Because that was an attempt to, like, correct itself. Yeah. And now it ends up being, like, kind of like the Morgan Freeman, like, I know everything. Right. We're talking, like, we're talking Green Mile, right? Uh, like, Green Mile, okay. The Legend of Bagger Vance, um, even Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost uh, they include in there. Um, and so people get mad at that. Or the black best friend. Or they say it's the thug in the movie. Or also in Ghost. Uh, or the brash woman. Or she's the domestic, the help. So, yeah, we've seen those things three times. But like... It takes a while for people to figure out, I think, and you have to be a little bit forgiving, which I think people were trying to be with The Simpsons. And then they felt slapped in the face, and you're totally right. If you leave it alone, if you're like, you know what, we should have done better, he's this established character, and <laughs> we'll, we'll try to figure out ways to to better represent Apu within the uh, Indian American community. I, I think and instead of going like, ha ha. I always think it's funny that the the people who get the most in trouble for being racist are the people that actually feel bad about being racist. Like if you apologize for being racist, you're going to get in more trouble. But no one's going down to like you know Charleston, West Virginia, and just being like, "Hi, we caught up with uh, Willie, you know, uh, Mc McCarthy down in." He said some uh, iffy things about uh, you know a certain stereotype. Willie, would you like to apologize? Get the hell off my porch! Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's, that, no, okay, right. goodbye, exactly. and then that's it. There's there's no repercussions. Canadians, you you can go ahead and just paint them with a big old broad brush stroke. There, well, they someone don't brought care. up a good point in the comment section. They were like, "So is uh is uh Willie the groundskeeper Willie a, a you know." Of course, there's Scottish people who aren't groundskeepers and like <laughs> right. golf and violent and drink, but like that's just what it was, you know. But you know, my brother is married to an Indian woman. Her, you know, and her family is, you know, they're part of our family, and so my nephew is half Indian, uh, and I have no idea. I have not talked, spoken with him about that. Like, hey, how does that poo make you feel? 
I think what it boils just call them with that with no contact, and it would not go over well. <laughs> not go over well. It boils down to what did you get made fun of in high school about? And the fact is, is that you can get made fun of anything. I wore white shoes to school one day, and people started calling me white shoes. So I'm not going to go after all the people who wear white shoes. Oh uh, well, yeah. No plans to get rid of Apu for now. Uh, is he still on the show? Like I haven't watched yeah. in years. Nor is have it, I, does he, he is. is he still featured in the show? I guess. See, Otherwise, to me, why it's, would people be mad? It's sort of like it's a comedy cartoon. Yeah. It's it's it it could be insensitive. I don't think it was intentionally. Per- I almost said it pernicious. Yeah, pernicious, yeah. vile, and pernicious. I think that uh, it's possible that this uh, guy who made the uh, documentary was just trying to point something out. And it turned into this big cause. And he was just, he was on The Daily Show and he was like, I don't care that much. I really don't. Well, that's the other problem is I haven't watched the documentary, so yeah. I, sh- I probably should. Uh, anyways, um, the Penguins playing tonight, of course. We got a lot of hockey to talk about. Later on in the show, Josh Yowie will be joining us. Phil Bork, the old two-niner. Speaking of Indians... Punjabi's on the show today. Hey. Is that, is that's Indian, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, sure. Canadian, Indian. Indian, Canadian? How do you say that? I demand an apology. I'll write one out. <laughs> Bupinder and Randeep are back on the show. Of course, you Randeep know Randeep Bauman. That's right. And uh, then Mark Madden after that. So we got a lot of Penguins flyers to talk this morning for you. And we're giving away tickets to tonight's game. The winner of our uh, video submission, and we'll play that for you a little bit later on this morning. Mike Pursuta coming in next with your sports when we return. Getting set for the playoffs. Game one tonight, 7 o'clock, PPG Paints Arena. Marios TV will be up outside. It will be turned on, and uh, it's going to be crazy down there tonight, I think. Game one between the Penguins and the Flyers is at 7 o'clock. Mike's got your sports when we come back on DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show, and it's game one between the Flyers and the Penguins at PPG Paints Arena, 7 p.m. puck drop tonight. It is Sports This Hour brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. It is finally time to get the postseason ball rolling. The Penguins hosting the Flyers tonight at PPG Paints Arena. A couple of other games on the NHL docket as well. Minnesota is at Winnipeg. At 7 o'clock, and uh, the Los Angeles Kings at Vegas at 10 o'clock. The Pens and Flyers meeting for the seventh time in uh, their postseason histories. Philadelphia has won four of the previous six series, but the Penguins are coming off back-to-back Stanley Cup championships and appear poised to make another run toward a third consecutive crown. Yesterday, the Pens back on the practice sites and Yesterday, another good day for injured centerman Derek Broussard. Here's Mike Sullivan. Well, Derek had another real good practice today, and uh, and so that's uh, that's really encouraging from our standpoint. So we'll take each day as it comes, and we'll make the appropriate decisions for the lineup. But um, you know, I, I do think we've tried to settle into some stability uh, when it comes to line combinations or how we're utilizing guys' roles on the team. Uh, so that we can have a clear identity as far as uh, you know what each guy is going to bring to this team in order to help our team win, and uh, and so we we like the group that we have. We believe that we can compete against anyone when we play the game the right way, and and that's where our focus needs to be. Can't just say he's playing. 
No. Well, we'll no, see. Why we'll would keep, he do that? We'll keep evaluating. In a really blah, good blah, practice blah. again today, yeah. and we are encouraged. Yeah, he's playing. We can't wait to see him play because this is what we got him for, to play in the playoffs. And, boy, are we anticipating this. No, he's Belichicking it. <laughs> Drawing it out. It is the postseason. But, uh, man, I can't wait to see what Derek Broussard looks like in a playoff game for the Penguins. As long as he's not playing against us, I'm just totally happy. That's part of it. But I think all the Ian Cole talk is going to go away when people see this guy in the postseason. Mm-hmm. No offense to Ian Cole. This guy was different. Uh, he was worth going beyond what was the anticipated trade deadline response, which was to try to add without subtracting from the major league roster. In this case, they had to lose a pretty good component in Ian Cole. So effing be it. All that said... I'm already looking ahead to the next round, and I shouldn't be, but I just I fear Cole coming back to haunt yeah. us. I don't know. I just hate that. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that he's that big of a figure, even for the. I mean, I think that the the defense, uh, the depth was you know an issue for them. Losing a key guy like that on a, on the penalty kill was uh, you know something that that like stuck out like a sore thumb right away and it made his importance seem you know his loss be a lot more impactful than it might inevitably be right now i don't know i think you you're reacting to sports talk stuff that you hear probably but i don't know that that's the general consensus i think most i don't know maybe i'm 100 percent wrong but i think people understand gmjr did what he had to do to get this guy in here because they weren't going anywhere unless they got him well, I don't know about that. I just think you have a chance to get a guy like Broussard, you do it. I, I think he's a, a difference-making kind of player. And and he gives you that third-line center that you've been desperately looking for. Since the have. start of the year, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I, I, yeah, maybe I'm spending a little too much time on Twitter. Uh, yeah, there's, sometimes you get in the echo chamber. And... <laughs> Broussard's play yeah, will certainly impact how well the Penguins do in the postseason, but uh, beyond Broussard's play... Uh, how they play collectively in terms of their attention to detail and their willingness to defend will be even more impactful. Uh, you heard Mike Sullivan sneak in a play the right way line when he was asked about Derek Broussard's status. He later got a chance to expound and expand upon one of his favorite subjects, playing the right way. When we're committed to play away from the puck and, and play the game the right way, we're, we're very capable capable of being a stingy defensive team and uh and we've we've shown evidence of that throughout the course of the season and we've had stretches when we've had success that's been a that's been a big part of it and so uh, I, I think it's more about a mindset you know this this core group of players has been together for a while now and uh and i think there's there's a lot of familiarity and on what our team concept is and how we're trying to play in the in the the tactics of our our overall team game so uh i i think our players are well aware of those details and now it's a matter of just making sure that we're committed uh to playing away from the puck and uh, in, in being hard to play against. And that's that's a lot of the talk that, w- that that we have with our players is becoming a team that's difficult to play against. And and it starts with the decisions that we make with the puck, uh, but it doesn't just end there. And, and, and it, a lot of it has to do with our, our commitment to play away from the puck and making sure that, that we defend every bit as hard as, as we create offensively. Imagine how much he talks about that with his team. He talks about it with the media every chance he gets. 
But I th- also wonder if he's not really smart in knowing that if he does this like Lombardi-esque type of uh, X's and O's with the media all the time, that it can always be about that. I'm not saying he doesn't mm-hmm. stress that stuff with the team, but it's very like, you know, you can go uh, to, once again, cross sports. You can go the Belichick route and draw the ire of the guys, or you can talk circles around theory and X's and O's and stuff like that with the with the... With the nerds, basically, <laughs> you know, you think that, Watch that insulates the players. Then, like, and it, it yes. leaves it up to him to to manage that internally, right? And he yeah. can all, he can protect the players that way and protect the message. And Tomlin, I think, is really good at that yeah. too. See, I, I think it's a I think he's a little bit different than Tomlin. He's just he's just expressing his philosophy at every chance he gets to yeah. them. To the to the media no, to anybody right. who, who I don't uh, think he's running a game here. I think he believes that you don't score your way to a championship; you defend your way to one. And I'm I'm in agreement with him on that. And I think he talks to the team about it, and he comes and greets the media and talks about it. And he more. talks to the waiter about it at yeah. dinner, and yeah, well, you're probably the guy right. parking his car. You know when he goes to a restaurant and gets the valet service. You got to be committed to playing the right way and parking the right way. Calling a sherry. Feds and Flyers tonight. Can't wait, Bart Scott. Can't wait. It's been a long wait. It's been six months of wait. It's been drop the puck in October and then fast forward to this. You know what I'm looking forward to is refilling my hate tank yep. for the Flyers because I feel like I'm a little low. On, on, I'm, I'm about a court low on hate for the Flyers. And I, after you, tonight, I know I'm going to hate them again. I'm going to give you eight minutes and 34 seconds as the over-under. That's the over-under. And, and I'm going to take the under. I'll take the under in, <laughs> I'll take the under in two minutes. <laughs> yeah, you'll be back. I think a new player to hate is Manning. I can't stand that guy. Well, that's Sean Couturier and uh, Giroux. I, I mean, Giroux's a douche. Yeah. We all know that. Pirates beat the Cubs yesterday, 8-5 to five in Chicago, spoiling the snow-delayed uh-huh. opener at Wrigley Field. Sister Jean threw out the first pitch. Curse 2.0. Did she really? It's the curse of Sister Jean. And they lost. A lot of people were wearing Isn't she the one who brought the billy goat in for the original curse? (laughs) A lot of people wearing the Loyola scarves in the stands. Sister billy goat. Eight to five Pirates (laughs) over the Cubs. Yvonne Nova, seven innings, three hits, or excuse me, seven hits, three runs, all of them earned, no walks, and six strikeouts. Nova's uh, control was back after an uncharacteristic first outing this season. Vasquez gets the save. Wait a minute. His fourth? His, his first. <laughs> it says his fourth. I think it should be his uh, it's first. It's his first. I don't think they should carry over. All his stats have to reset. It was first. A, it was a good Meanwhile, one. Meanwhile, he has no contract. <laughs> That's right. I hadn't thought of that. Who is this guy? This, this guy. We got to sign him. Coach, I didn't get paid. That's right, Jack. Oh, should have thought of that beforehand. <laughs> what if that was his scheme? That would be brilliant. Parts I are, one out of this contract. Parts are 8-2. Yeah. <laughs> Eight and two through ten games. They've got uh, the Cubs again tonight in Chicago. Stephen Brault against John Lester. Nobody's having more fun than the Buckos. About them. Two more dingers yesterday. They're tearing the cover off the ball. They're getting some more than credible pitching. El Coffee is on fire. They are winning games. Will people come and see them at PNC Park? Yes. What are they giving I think away? Now. Who's the concert? What's the bobblehead? Huh? What time do the fireworks start? We shall see. Uh, a lot of Penguin talk coming up with Josh Yoey of the Athletic, Phil Bork, the old two niner. Can you imagine a Clark's concert, a Vasquez bobblehead, and fireworks all one night? Oh, did they wow. already buy the Rivero bobbleheads? Uh oh. Val's got news top of the hour. Valerie, what are you talking about? 
Well, when you're an old guy, you got to be careful sitting on a park bench because things can sag and get stuck. Oh, good God. We'll talk about that coming up. Clouds and sun, low 50s today. It's 33 at DVE. The Burning Bridges Comedy Festival going on starting tonight at Nordy's Place. Concludes Sunday, April 14th at Club Cafe with the headliner and DVE host Bill Crawford. That's me. That's right. Go to www.burningbridgesfestival.com for a full lineup and ticket info. Once again, Shane Torres kicks things off tonight at Nordy's Place. BurningBridgesFestival.com. It is the DVE Morning Show. Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle is hanging out with us. Hey. So one of my favorite places in the Strip District, I love going to the Strip District. Like, I like getting coffee from the place I get coffee. I like to go to uh, uh, get my the peanuts from his Presto George. Do you go to a fishmonger? I'll mong. I'll go, I'll, I won't mong. I'll, I'll pursue No, you the leave that to the monger. monger. Yeah, I'll leave yeah. it to the monger. Penn Avenue Fish, Woolies. Kelly O's. I don't mess around. I love the Not strip. Not for fish, but just for breakfast. Pen Mac. Who doesn't love Pen Mac? Who doesn't love going into any of those? Enrico Biscotti. Mm-hmm. Pen Mac got a shout out on uh, Bill Burr's podcast. He was talking about how Bartnick went down there and oh yeah, and got some gabagool. Yeah, he did for the show. He had all types. He had all types of Italian meats. Yeah, we, the, the the whole dressing room smelled like. The strip district, basically. Right. Smelled like a cold cut trio. He's like, help yourself, man. Oh, all right, I'll put my hand in this bag and just grab some meat out of there. It was like, um, you know, great job on the purchases, Joe, but uh presentation zero. But one of my favorite places, Pittsburgh Popcorn Company. Yeah. Love oh, yeah. Pittsburgh Popcorn. Oh my god, there's a line around the corner around Christmas time. Under uh a little scrutiny right now. Well, that's putting it mildly. The Allegheny Cal County Health Department issued a consumer alert on Friday of this past week. Basically, they said they found thousands and thousands of mouse droppings. Like, is that their secret sauce? Yeah, but they also said they found a mouse in a trap and just, oh, uh, just it was all in the basement. Thousands and thousands. Now, the company. They clapped back yesterday. I'm going to say clap back there. Let me know if that's not a proper use of clap back. They clapped back. I think that's okay. Here's why. They said it wasn't mouse turds. It was burnt popcorn. Okay. During the normal day (laughs) course, black burnt popcorn hulls and kernels scatter throughout the store, which are misidentified and mislabeled by the department as droppings. Could that be a representative for the company? That's believable. At no time, they said, were there mouse droppings on our poppers, popcorn containers, and or prep table services. Also, there were not thousands of droppings in our store. No mice ever came into contact with our food. All food is sealed airtight and not stored in the basement area. We don't we do keep defunct machinery in the basement, but it was left out of the report that this equipment and machinery was defunct and out of service. So they're they're saying, hey, the place where they found stuff was in the basement, in the Gunji basement. I just love that. Is that that better? I don't know. Eventually, at some point during this conversation, a discussion was had with 
with someone is who's going to taste that little hard black thing to see if it's mouse crap or if it's popcorn. We got to prove this. Joey, get over here. It's your week. (laughs) Your week first. And then I'm sure there was a marketing conversation. Okay, so if it is mouse poop, can we spin this? Can we call this like woodland blend or something like that? Or what what can we do? Exactly. (laughs) The newest in rustic popcorn (laughs) options. Look, I love the strip district just as much as you do. One thing I never want to think about is the basements. No. In the strip yeah. district. Don't you think of it as like Pittsburgh's French Quarter in a way, and that like the buildings are just <laughs> so old? Yes. That there's no way they could possibly be airtight. Against river rats and right. mice and I, all that I, stuff. I'm of the opinion that there's a whole race of like sewer people that that make that place <laughs> operate, you know, underneath those caverns. You think caverns. there's chuds? Yeah, 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 yeah Morlocks. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, what was to, what did chud stand for? Cannibalistic human underground underground dwellers. dwellers. There, there you go. But hopefully they're not cannibalistic. But yeah. no, they they only eat mouse turds, so it's perfect. Burnt popcorn halls. <laughs> I mean, I'm going back to that place. I don't know. I like it. You think, I love that place. I feel like it's like this now, is th- this is yeah. Th- this now is it'll just be more careful than ever. I know because it's just it's tainted. Yeah, tainted popcorn. Hey, listen. It's sort of like you know the safest place to be is right behind a cop. I think the safest place to eat is a place that just got called out for mouse turds. <laughs> Some of them. Like, there are other places where you're like, I bet they're not going to learn their lesson. They're going under. You, you know the difference. Dude, I've definitely gone to the strip district a, a, a couple times, and th- there's one time where we were going out to, for a business lunch, and this guy was just like, you got to go to this place. This is my place. We got to go to this place. This, they serve the best, you know, whatever. So we're sitting there. We're waiting for like 20 minutes, and I just see something out of the corner of my eye, and all I could identify it in my peripheral vision was scurrying. And I was like, okay. And I turned to look, and there was just mice going in and out of the cooler yeah. where they kept like all oh. the cheeses and everything no. like that. And I was like, check, please. Like, that's good. No way. Ooh. Is that place still operational? I'm sure it is. Oh, my Lord. And you know what's funny is it didn't even bother me that much. He's <laughs> like, well, yeah, you're going to have that. I mean, I definitely would prefer not to have mice like tap dancing on my provolone, but right. at the same time, like we're all in this together on this earth. I'm fine with you know getting little crumbs over. You need to eat what you need to eat too. The problem is that mice are so adorable. It doesn't occur to you that the hantavirus is a very real <laughs> yeah, thing. That's a good point. You know, it, it, to me, uh, that they, they are not adorable. They're little glowing red eyes, uh, little well, weird pink feet. I just got rid of uh, a mouse issue, and it was harrowing. I mean, there's a lot of trees where I live. I always have, you know, one or two mice a year. And, you know, I put out the traps and do what you're supposed to do. And um, I had somebody painting. <laughs> and they took off the intake, uh, the air vent, oh. you know, to paint around it. And uh, I came home and um, she was sitting on the couch, stunned. as if She'd seen something like, <laughs> you know, so horrific. She could hardly talk about it yet. And I was like, what's the matter? She's like, I took off the uh, <laughs> the vent intake. And there was like so many mice that were dead uh, uh, there. Oh. And I was like, Dude. really? In the intake? Well, they were dead. Yeah, she's like, they were dead. Because they probably there was some poison out, which I guess maybe, I don't know, you know, my girlfriend's very upset that I used poison. I'm like, that's what the exterminator told me to do. Yeah. And she said, and she was like, it really affected her. She's like, 
They were like crawling over each other trying to get out. <laughs> One of them was like stuck in between the grates, like just trying to fight for his life. And I was like, so is this going to be extra? <laughs> I was remodeled. So my house was built in like whatever, like like every house in Pittsburgh, like the 1950s or 40s or something like that. So I was remodeling the kitchen by myself and I knocked a partition wall out. And it was literally like a a pinata full of mouse corpses just flew oh, out. Yeah. I wasn't wearing a dust mask or anything. There was like particles getting in my mouth. Oh. I was like, <laughs> gagging. I almost just threw up. Oh, <laughs> oh that's God. when they stopped being cute. Uh, oh, and your intake. Yes, that's why I was just oh, breathing oh, mouse can, corpses. Yeah. When they poop in your silverware drawer, that's when you declare war. That is when I declare yep. war. You've had that happen? Oh, yeah. Like, this is war. Didn't you have it a horrible mouse killing episode one time? Uh, oh, me personally? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, yes. I caught one in a trap <laughs> and it didn't die. I was in college. And it was flopping around, suffering. So I put a dustpan over it and I beat it with a hammer. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I didn't want. It was almost dead, but not completely dead. I would love. So I didn't want it to suffer anymore. I know, but you just- did the right decision. Because I've had it in the past where I've seen a mouse that's like on its last leg, and I'm like, eh, I'll just throw it in the woods, like. And then so and then you're you're then rotten like, with and then this. Then like a snake's probably eating it. At least you right. put it out of its misery. Yeah. No, you're I did. Tormented this. by the guilt of this suffering animal. I had one caught in a trap under my sink one time, and it was going. <laughs> it was like flipping out. I was like, "What the hell?" So I took these like long tongs and you grabbed the, the trap, trap and everything out, and I put it right in the backyard. And he's like, <laughs> in the backyard, caught in the trap. And I was like, "Let that be a lesson. This I is my head that. on yeah, a pike." Nice. You tell all your mouse friends about where you've seen this. <laughs> Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, hanging out with us this morning on the DV Morning Show. What do you got coming up? Uh, next weekend, not this weekend, next weekend, I'm going to be down at this Skokel Club uh, down oh, yeah. at the South Side. Nice. Nice. Uh, tonight, pens, flyers. We got tonight. tickets to give away. 7 o'clock puck drop. Val's got news next. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about the Moody Blues. They're getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this Saturday. Good deal. Pens, Flyers, uh, more to come. It's the DVE morning. A new survey asked right. people if they think guys look more attractive with or without facial hair. Clean shaven, the clear winner. Uh, here's the interesting part. 25% of men who have had facial hair or currently have it agreed the clean shaven look is the most attractive. A lot of guys with facial hair did say it makes them look more masculine, though. Uh, The survey found clean-shaven guys are slightly more likely to be seen as intelligent and trustworthy. Let's put me next to Chris Letang and let's redo that survey and (laughs) completely invalidate those results. (laughs) Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Jeff Conkle on the show there earlier this morning, Mr. Wednesday, and tonight, the Penguins and the Flyers. A Wednesday night matchup, game one. Let's go. Stanley Cup playoffs back in the Berg. Mario's TV will be set up outside. It is going to be the focus of Western PA today. Well, all of PA, really. Yeah. As this intrastate rivalry. And beyond. Revisits postseason play for the first time since the 2012 debacle for the Penguins. In which they completely lost it. They lost their minds on the ice. That one Sid said, I hate them. 
in the locker room. Remember he was sitting, there was video of him. I hate them. I hate everyone on their team. <laughs> Did he? I don't remember that part of it. Yeah, I, remember I, I vaguely remember that. Dan Bilesman essentially losing his job over it. We're going to talk with the old two-niner, Phil Bork. We got Mark Madden. That was a bad series for the young two-niner. Coming up. We got the, uh, yeah, that's right. Josh Yoey from The Athletic. Barpinder and Randeep from Punjabi Hockey Night in Punjabi. Awesome. The Bonino guys. Love those guys. Yeah. Also, Mark Madden, Double M, joining us. And we're giving away tickets for tonight's Game 1. We're all going. That's right. Aren't you oh, excited? Yeah. Are you very yeah. excited to go see Penguin, Penguin playoff hockey tonight, Val? Who wouldn't be? I am. Yeah. Can't wait. Are you going to... electric. Are you bringing your own gold shirt? Or are you going to wear the one they give you? I mean, I'm wearing my Kessel jersey. It's a gold out. Yeah, but the, you got to wear gold. Well, I'm not, you know, they can get... Are they giving me something gold to yeah. wear? Okay. I'll think about it. You're going to put yeah. it on over the Kessel jersey? Maybe. I got yeah. all those details coming up. All right, Val's got news. What's going on? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's 33 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Golden Oak Lending. Police are warning Penguins fans about counterfeit Stanley Cup playoff tickets ahead of their series against the Flyers. Detectives say anyone who buys tickets online or outside PPG Paints Arena should have at least... Uh, or should at least ask to see valid ID before completing the sa- the sale, which how would you know if it's valid? Right. Um, scalpers can sell tickets in designated areas near the arena, but they are supposed to have a vendor's license from the city of Pittsburgh with them. So I guess if you buy it, take a picture of it, and uh, I don't know, even if it's counterfeit, what are you going to do? Yeah, if, if the idea beat. is counter, ID is counterfeit. I don't know. You have no, no recourse, but... Uh, Good luck with that. Uh, some of the things going on for the game tonight. The big screen will be back for all the home games. There will be a DJ, face painting, interactive games, special guests including Iceberg will make an appearance. Uh, that's all in the Key Bank fan zone outside Pe- the People's Gate, People's Gas Gate. There's also a Coors Light party tent with a DJ near the Lemieux statue. There will be food trucks set up along Center Avenue. Outside the Verizon Gate, you can test your hockey skills. If you are going to the game, as you mentioned, it's a gold out. So you can either wear your favorite gold jersey or gold shirt, or they're going to give you one when you go in the door, and gold towels will be given out to everybody in the arena as well. Nice. Don't you have the feeling that, that that Philly is going to bring out just the worst in the fans? Like I I I am really thinking like all right, you know, we we've we're the team that's been there and done that since we saw them the last time we mm-hmm. got two cups. But I feel like that's also going to be all that you're going to hear fans say to these Philly. Two cups is the last time we saw you. What's up? 1975. You're going to hear that over and over tonight. And that's just from Madden. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Flyers win the cup? Uh, the Las Vegas Knights are getting ready for their first playoff run in their first season. Culinary artists at the Bellagio in Las Vegas have created a five-foot sculpture of goalie Marc-Andre Fleury. It's made out of 20 pounds of Rice Krispies, 90 pounds of chocolate, 20 pounds of fondant, and five pounds of sugar paper. It took two chefs over five weeks to construct it. Wow. That's at the Bellagio in Las Vegas. They got to start calling the flower white chocolate, right? <laughs> I don't know. Do they have to? I think they have to. Uh, yeah. At least they didn't make it out of Swiss cheese. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> 
On Friday, the New York Times tweeted out a recipe for a peanut butter and pickle sandwich. And the internet lost its mind. It's just gross. Uh, 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 wrong. Have you ever had peanut butter and pickle? I have not, but apparently it's quite tasty. It's really good. What? I don't know why, but it works. There are a lot of people in the world who say they've known about this concoction for years. Uh, almost as many, though, uh, were repulsed by the idea of it. The truth is, though, if you like salty, sweet, and crunchy, chances are then you might like the peanut butter and pickle sandwich. I, I'm a big fan. Uh, I've had it before. Like we did it when we were kids because we kept hearing that as the that was like the one thing on uh, television shows they'd always say that pregnant ladies wanted. <laughs> so we're like, we got to try that. What's the peanut butter and pickles thing all about? And so we did pregnant right on ladies the, know what's up. The dill pickles. Mm-hmm. And we used like Jif peanut butter. Maybe maybe it was Skippy. Good combo. Yeah, it was like the sugar salt one two is really good. Really? I mean, I was 11 the last time I had it, but I remember it being very, very good. It wasn't like my go-to or anything, but I ate it. a nice little treat. And we were like, wow, that's really good. What was the other one? I think it was like grilled cheese. Somebody put mayonnaise on the outside of the Yeah, instead of butter. Yeah, and I'm not down with that. I haven't tried it. I'm sure it crisps up real nice. I'd be be, uh, more um, readily, you know, down to try that. Then peanut butter and pickle. Yeah. Yeah. In other food news, a new survey found one in three adults turns to baking after a stressful day. Two-thirds of respondents said that baking improves their mood when they're feeling down, and a third of baking people say they find baking to be a better stress reliever than sex. Really? What are you baking with? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, someone makes donuts. Ask them how how stressed out they are. (laughs) Southern California officials aren't saying exactly how a man got stuck to a park bench, but they do say it was a personal body part. Oh, old man. That caused the trouble. The bizarre case unfolded over the weekend when rescue crews were asked to assist the elderly man in East Hollywood. He somehow got stuck between the slats in the bench. Ooh. Which I guess you can imagine Ah. what happened. No. He was taken to a hospital for treatment and is expected to be okay. Uh, did they have to take the whole bench in? <laughs> hey, things sag when you get old. You got to oh. be careful. Yeah. From afar, everyone's like, yeah, that old guy stepped, sat in gum. <laughs> that's not gum. Well, that's not gum. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just uh, Like, you got to wrap that up before you go out. Yeah, wear tighter pants, buddy. I mean, what's going on here? What are we talking? I have no idea. But the, they Is really... he wearing, like, John Stockton shorts? For all, by the way, don't ever buy in, uh, underwear off the internet because I did. <laughs> I like, I, I. It is funny because my brother must have too because he sent me a screenshot of something. He was like, "Look at this article." I'm like, oh, "You got some uh, underwear uh, ads going on there, huh?" And he's like, "Yeah, I bought them one time." I'm like, "Yeah, one time. I bought the underwear, and now it's everywhere I go. You, don't you even think have to I'm buy it. so crazy about underwear? Like, if you went on my com- uh, on my computer at home." It's like everything's like men's un- underwear ads nonstop. It's really- you don't you don't even have to buy it. I looked at makeup online, yeah. and it's every website I'm on now. Well, that's yeah. part There's of what they were yelling ad. at Zuckerberg for yesterday. They're like, "Hey, man, you know we got to stop this stuff. Rain it in." Yeah, this targeted consumerism, and then you know, of course, the results of 
what happened with Cambridge Analytica, far more severe than me having to look at the same item over and over again. And the other flaw in that is I'll buy something and they still try to sell it to me for a month and a half. Why don't they say, here's something similar you might be interested Because you've already looked at this stuff. Why wouldn't they want to expose you to something different that... You need socks? Might be... Right. Here's some socks. How about t-shirts? I mean, enough already. Jock straps? Yeah, well, maybe that old guy could that use that. Old guy definitely needs a jock strap. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen. Look, some of the old guys at my gym. You know, it's like they've never seen a pair of underwear or something. <laughs> and They're, yeah, it's it's bad. Maybe when they sag so much, it's uncomfortable. To it has to hurt to keep them. Tucked. Oh, to reel them back in, <laughs> right? Maybe. They should have like a side crank where they can just <laughs> reel them back up. I think that was the problem. <laughs> Like some awnings. I don't know, but you know, we've talked about it many times, so I'm not exactly sure what the reason is that the older guys are, the more important it is to them to have a completely accurate representative rep- representation of their weight. So every time they weigh themselves, they have to be <laughs> buck naked. Well, maybe the doc's getting on them. Yeah, I know, but you know, add six ounces for the underwear. Right. Please. But old guys, you never see them wearing the tighties. That's, that should be the thing. Well... Yeah. I mean, gravity's a, a son of a gun. Imagine how embarrassing <laughs> that is. Oh, for that guy? You just got to you just got to embrace what it. About and laugh. The, what about the first responders? You know? They're like all set to go uh, out there and be brave. They were waiting for this day. They trained for it. We got a nut job for you. <laughs> <laughs> we got a nut job over no, here. Oh, crazy guy? No, it's literally a nut job. First a cat in a tree, now this. <laughs> uh, looks like the battery case against Brandon Lee, the son of Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson, is going away. According to TMZ, Tommy decided not to cooperate with the investigation into Brandon punching him last night, which... Gave the L.A. Uh, County District Attorney little choice but to reject the case. The incident occurred during an argument between father and son after Tommy ripped Brandon's mom on social media for speaking out about an old domestic violence incident. In declining the case, the DA's office brought to light some of what was allegedly said during the brawl, including a sequence in which Brandon said, Get up, old man, and fight me. Then he knocked Tommy out. After that, he supposedly said, look at you, mother effer, you're knocked out. Then Tommy's girlfriend called 911. I mean, that's pretty badass. Or, or awful, depending on how you look at yeah. it. I if mean, I thought about well, that between me and my dad, that'd be terrible. Between Tommy and his kid, for some reason, I feel like it's like... Par for the course. Yeah. Yeah, not, not a great, great family life, probably. Again, yeah, once he sees that video... And all his friends. Yeah. How much ball busting that that kid have to grow up with the rock and roll hall of fame induction ceremony will be this saturday in cleveland the moody blues is one of the bands being inducted this year they've been eligible since 1989 and were nominated for the first time this year and their fans made it known they belonged registering just under a million votes formed in birmingham england in 1964 the original incarnation of the band with denny lane on vocals scored a minor hit with a cover of the bessie bank song go now Unable to capitalize on that little bit of fame, Lane and bassist Cliff 
Warwick left in 1966 and were replaced by Justin Hayward and John Lodge. They, along with founding members Graham Edge, Ray Thomas, and Mike Pinder, set off to create and record original material. That came to fruition with what is often called one of the first concept albums, 1967's The Days of Future Past. Nights in White Satin was on that album. Six more albums followed in the next five years. Here's Elton John talking about why the Moody Blues should be in the Rock Hall. They invented the Mellotron, more or less. It's down to them. You know, they've been around for a long time, and they were great when Denny Lane was with them. They should be there anyway. The band never got caught up in their omission from the hall, but when Justin Hayward received the news on a Saturday last December, he realized how special it was as he recounted last January on the Moody Blues cruise uh, about the honor. I was astounded. I was stunned, really. I mean, it's curious how, um, you know, on the Friday night, I couldn't care less, really, but on the Saturday, the whole world looked different. It was a great thrill, you know. I'm very proud and very pleased. Keyboardist and singer Mike Pinder, who left the band in 1978, will attend, though he is not expected to perform with Hayward Lodge and Edge. Sadly, flute player and singer Ray Thomas, who retired in 2002, passed away in January just weeks after being informed of the honor. John Lodge, uh, here he is talking about the last conversation he had with Ray Thomas. I spoke to him just before Christmas, and of course we talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he said to me, typical Ray, hey, rocker, that means we're famous, doesn't it? And I thought, yeah, that's Ray. And Ray said to me, John, I can't get there, but I'd love it if you'd pick up the award for me. And I said, well, provided you write a few little words that I can say on your behalf, of course I will. Um, To achieve the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, I'm glad Ray knew that, to sort of put a closure on it. Ian Wilson will be inducting the band and, uh, of course, the ceremony this Saturday in Cleveland. It will air on HBO. Highlights will air on HBO on May 5th. Clouds and sun, low 50s for the high today. It's 33 at DVE. It is the DVE morning show. We asked people to give us a shout, uh, make a video to win tickets for tonight. And uh, one of the finalists, this is Cody. Playing his guitar and drinking beer, apparently. <laughs> like, did he just? It's an audition and a contest submission in one. Well, hello. I didn't see you there. <laughs> All I know is I'd really like to see them take down flyers tomorrow. Sure would be nice. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He's doing an Adam Crowley tease. Whoa, hey, didn't see you didn't there. Didn't see you there. Pens, Flyers, rest of the morning. Josh Yoey of The Athletic at 8.15. Phil Bork, the old 2-9er in studio at 8.45. And these guys. At the beginning, Mel can land the puck. Pass, Kessel, new shot. Rock the puck, Stoppard, Cargiago, Phil, Kessel. Yeah, that's right. Bupinder and Randeep, the Punjabi brothers, they're going to be on the show a little bit later on this morning talking hockey. And uh, there's no Bonino for them to shout out anymore. No. 
I was hoping there would be a name Sadly. that would be someone like that. Brassard, I don't know how they'll be able to play on Brassard, that. Brassard, oh, Brassard, oh, Brassard. No. But hopefully there'll be a reason to call his name tonight. The 7 o'clock puck drop down at Mellon Arena. <laughs> I called it Mellon Arena. <laughs> PPG Pates Arena. Well, you know. Some uh, old right. habits die hard. But Val... <laughs> Uh, the TV is uh-huh. going to be set up despite the uh, weather, no matter what happens uh, no tonight. No rain. Expe- well, maybe a, a real slight chance, but I think it's going to be good. All right. A-OK. Game one against the Flyers, and we'll ask uh, these guys how they match up. Don't forget, your chance at 1000 bucks in workforce cash all day on DVE. Starts with us, goes all the way up through the drive home with Sean. Just text the keyword to 200-200. Now, it's brought to you by rightcars.com. W-R-I-G-H-T. All right, we'll tell you who won the tickets for tonight's game a little bit later on. Mike's coming in with your sports next. We're getting set for Penn's Flyers. 7 o'clock puck drop tonight. DVE. Um. DVE, total traffic, uh, not much in terms of accidents, but uh, Route 30, of course, long-term closure that's in both directions between Greensburg, Pike, and Electric Avenue. Mon Wharf partially reopening. About 250 spaces on the Stanwix Street side are open. Uh, that's on the Mon Wharf on Val Porter, DVE, total traffic. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit is here right now with your sports pens and flyers. Get things going tonight. Game 1, 7 o'clock, PPG Paints Arena. You got to Randall Sports this hour brought to you by Golden Oak Lending. With the arrival of Game 1, uh, the Penguins can now officially commence their quest to make history. They entered the season in search of a three-peat that has not been done uh, very often in NHL history. The Penguins had to first make the playoffs to give themselves a chance to finish off that three-peat. three-peat. They've done that. Uh, now they are 16 games away from uh, becoming... Just the fourth team to win three consecutive Stanley Cups. Uh, Montreal Canadiens won five in a row from 1956 through 1960. Uh, The Canadiens won four Cups from 76 through 79, and the Islanders did it from 80 to 83. And Toronto won three in a row from 1962 to 64 and from 1947 to 49. Even the Wayne Gretzky Edmonton Oilers never won three in a row. It just hasn't happened that often. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a pretty special thing, but it's not what the Penguins are focused on. A bunch of guys talking about that the last couple of days leading up to game one tonight. Sidney Crosby said he's just trying to win a cup period, not uh, a third consecutive for his team or a fourth in his career. You know, winning a Stanley Cup, regardless of you're trying to win a fourth or a first, I mean, you're motivated enough by that, and I think that it's such a long ways away, and um, I, I don't think it really helps me as far as, you know, the motivation factor. I think it's it's more important to focus on, you know, what we've got to do tomorrow night, and, you know, I think that uh, that mindset has served us well, and I think that's that'll probably be more of my approach. Yeah, Crystal Tang's approach was to study the cliches, in advance of just such a question? I don't think we. that's the way we approach it. We approach it game by game. Uh, um, right now we have, a, we have an opponent in our way, and uh, uh, the most important is going to be game one, so we got to focus on that. And that's it. Yeah, you just got to play him one game at a time, right? You got to. Well, Carl Hagelin said that's not just a cliche. That is a way of life in the postseason. Uh, listen to Hagelin's comparison between uh, the demands of a postseason game versus a regular season one. 
you know, every game in the playoffs, like playing playing four in the regular season, so it's going to take a lot out of you. So once you start thinking too, you know, too long ahead, you're you're not going to be successful. And we're a team who, you know, who lives in the present. We're we're focusing on the next game, and uh, that's it. Every game in the playoffs is like four in the regular season. What's that mean? Game seven's game twenty-eight. <laughs> I think so. Can we get this over with already? It's taken forever. I don't think it's quite. That, hard, that much harder, is it? Physically, maybe no. I'm sure the intensity's ratcheted up quite a bit. Uh, a lot and, uh, of things you know. are ratcheted up. I don't know if it's four times. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. I've never done it. No. Who am I to say he's full of crap? It's tougher, that's for sure. And uh, it's tough enough that Mike Sullivan wants his team approaching it that way. Uh, wants his team focused on the task at hand, not potential history. Every team, when they set out to training camp, I think every team in this league, the goal is to win the Stanley Cup. At least I would hope that that's what it would be. That certainly is our goal when we set out uh, in training camp uh, each and every year. And we believe that we have a group that's capable. And uh, and we've shown an ability to have success uh, in a high-stakes environment. And so certainly the expectation within our room is that that we have the ability uh, to compete. And we know that it's hard, and we know that uh, that we've got to go out and earn it each and every day, each and every game. Uh, that's where our mindset is. I don't think any any of us is trying to, um, you know, reflect on on wh- where this team stands. I think there's a time and a place for all that. You guys talk about it about it all the time, but I know our players and our coaches. We're more focused on the short term, and that's that one game in front of us, and we're trying to have success. And so we're uh, we're so locked into the process every day of trying to be the best team that we can be. Uh, I think that's that's where everybody's mindset is right now within our dressing room. Game one tonight, the Penguins and the Philadelphia Flyers. A couple other playoff games taking place tonight as well. Minnesota is at Winnipeg at 7, and uh, the Kings visiting the Golden Knights at 10. I still, God help me, cannot look at Vegas and say that's a legit Stanley Cup contender. Just because it's an expansion team? Yeah. Yeah, well. They had such a good season now. They, great season. I'm, can't wait to see what happens in this series against the Kings, who had to play well to make it down the stretch. And they're, they have some been there, done that, guys. For sure. Uh, Vegas does not. I wonder if this is where reality clicks in or if they're just that good. You know, they, they I, might be. I was going to ask Josh Yoey about this uh, eight fifteen, but in terms of like a tale of the tape here, is there an area outside of d- defense where the Flyers certainly have more depth, where they... Uh, they have the edge on this Penguin team? No. I don't even think they have more depth on defense. And they got a couple good defensemen, but they Well, they, they score they more. Drop uh, off yeah. quickly. Their their bottom pair is bad. Yeah, they they score more goals. Um, this is the dark thought that I had. We gotta protect Murray because I I could see them trying to take a run at him. They knock him out of the game. Yeah. I'm it's good good line of questioning for Josh. I see this as five games maybe. Yeah. I just don't see the threat. I hate that. And I'm not usually that type of guy. You know that. Yeah, but that's I, not a braggadocious sort of overconfident. That's just your assessment of yeah, it. It's I just don't think like, Philly's yeah. that good. Um, they they made a run for a little while, then they fell back to earth, and then they kind of clawed their way back into the playoffs. I, I guess the danger would be that they've had a 10-game winning streak and a 10-game losing streak. Yeah. So Which team's going to show they up? They have proven uh, capable of getting incredibly hot. 
but they've also proven capable of being just god awful. Yeah, they got 14 loser points. So we'll see. I think uh, I think the Penguins are better than the Flyers. I think uh, they would be the favorites against the Caps. I think they're gonna have to go all the way to the Eastern Conference Final to find a series in which I would perceive them to be the underdog. <laughs> we'll see. Bucks did it again. Eight to five over the Cubbies. They're eight uh-huh. and two on the season. Felipe Vasquez came in for a four-out save. Who? <laughs> Got out of some trouble in the eighth and uh, finished off in the ninth. Devon Nova, seven innings, three runs, no walks, six strikeouts, couple of home runs, Starling Marte and Francisco Cervelli. Did I mention the Pirates are eight and two? What's that new closer they got? That's why. That guy's unbelievable. He got what? So he Whatever has happened to Rivero? I don't know. Whatever Thanks for all your effort. Imagine how much this is confounding nutting right now. He's doing what? We're not paying this guy twice, are we? <laughs> Can I change my last name? <laughs> People would be so much nicer to me. Stephen Brault takes a 2-0 <laughs> record to the mound tonight against John Lester, who's 1-0 for Chicago. It's an 8-0-5 start in Wrigley tonight. Then they're back to the uh, day game on Thursday. I think the Pirates are on Major League Baseball Network tonight. Okay. And the Penguins are on uh, AT&T Sportsnet. Sister Jean, throw out the throw out the first pitch there. She was scheduled to. Yesterday. A lot of Loyola scarves. Yeah. Didn't work out very well. She's 0 for 2. Yeah. Just saying. Not for nothing. None of this infallibility. Uh... Eh, maybe she's not that good luck. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kid. I kid the 90-year-old yes, man who's going yes. straight to heaven. And, yeah, we're not. Well, we'll be sitting at the gates. <laughs> waving. Ah, yeah. who's laughing now? Yeah, it's on Judgment Day when she gives me the hey. Caesar thumbs down. Is it hot <laughs> down there, funny guy? Exactly. <laughs> 7 o'clock, Pans Flyers. We'll kick your arse and leave your numb. We'll drink to you when the cup is passed. You'll play your song. We'll kick your arse. The igloo's gone, a wrecking ball. To tear it down, we watched it fall. Our poor old building now is trash. But even so, we'll kick your arse. We'll kick your arse, your fire's gone. We'll kick your arse and leave you numb. We'll drink to you when the cop is passed. Your fire's gone, we'll kick your arse. Our defense sucks, our goalie's nuts, and all our fans are drunks and sluts. Our nachos give you lethal gas, but even so, we'll kick your arse. We'll kick your arse, we'll kick your arse, you fly We'll kick your arse and leave you numb. We'll drink to you when the cup is passed. Your flyers come, we'll kick your arse. We'll kick your arse, your flyers come. We'll kick your arse and leave you numb. We'll drink to you when the cop is passed. Your flyers come. We'll kick your arse. Your flyers come. We'll kick your arse. Your flyers come. We'll kick your arse. That's it, boys. Good job. Drinks are on yogurt. Scott Paulson, of course, with Flyer scum as the Flyers invade once again the Battle of Pennsylvania. The, you know, Philadelphia's had enough winning this year. Yeah, they have. This was the the danger, the the scary part of rooting for the Eagles against 
the uh, Patriots. Have we now contributed to the Philadelphia mojo by doing that? Possibly. I say no, sir. No, we have not. By the way, we asked you to send in videos telling us what a big fan you were, and we're going to give uh, tickets tickets to tonight's game to uh, the winner. Uh, this was one from Luke. DVE. You want to see a true Penguins fan? I'll show you a true Pets fan. This is my weird room. You have all of your autographed pucks. Old and new. You have your jersey cards. Evgeny Malkin. Yes, former Marc-Andre Fleury. You have Matt Murray. Former. Phil Kessel. Carl Hagelin. All of your autographed cards. You have Mark Madden. Yes, the super genius. You have Sidney Crosby. Autographed puck and photo. Oh, yeah. See, I mean, it just goes on and on, and his boy barn is full of penguin paraphernalia. The awesome. Punjabi night in, uh, what is it, Hockey Night in Punjabi. Uh, you know, are they, they're not called the Punjabi brothers. <laughs> it says on here, Punjabi brothers are on the show. They're not brothers, right? Punjabi bros. It just says Punjabi bros. Yeah, Bupinder, Hundal, and Randeep Janda are on the show later this morning. Pittsburgh and Anthony Hornet. Hajibi on it. Benino, the shot. What can get going? Nick Benino, 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 Benino. Haggy, Haggy, Haggy. He screwed up there. Whoa, 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 whoa. Benino, no, 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 no. Haggy, Haggy. I like that one. We'll have Bupinder and Randeep on the show uh, later to go over the playoffs. And also Josh Yowie of The Athletic, the old two-niner. And a special appearance by Phil Bork today. Mark Madden closing things out. It is the DVE morning show. And last night on HBO, the long-awaited Andre the Documentary. Andre the Giant documentary. I like it. They should have called it Andre the Documentary. <laughs> uh, right. it, uh, it debuted. Fans, take a look at this. Can you believe that? Perhaps even, let's compare it to the size of my head. Andre the... <laughs> <laughs> in the French Alps, weighing 477 pounds, the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. He's stronger than all of us. He's bigger than all of us. He kept everybody in line. He was the guy. He was famous on a different level, literally the biggest celebrity in the world. How about your diet? How much food do you eat today? You knew that you were seeing something unique in the world. Andre was an attraction. There was no level of comfort. It had to be an uncomfortable life. There's only one. They think of him as this legendary drinker. He drank because he was in pain. People would not leave him alone. The reality of who he was was getting more intense on him. He knew he wasn't going to live long. Month after month, you could see Andre failing. Andre commanded great respect. He was not the most articulate man in the world. Look at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> so so mm-hmm. it is, as advertised, outstanding i stayed up late to watch it last night i highly recommend this uh uh even if you're not a wrestling fan it's just such a great story but i stopped watching wrestling when i was like 15 or 16 so this was when i was watching back then and you know to sort of relive that nostalgia was a was a blast but so much about who he was i had no idea number one i didn't know that you know the gigantism that he had the acro megaly I think right. is how you say it. Yeah, that's the technical term. You could have, he could have treated it. He could have stopped it. But he didn't want to because he thought it was going to affect his wrestling career. Right. 
That's insane to me. Well, you I, could stop it after you're a grown man. I, I, Apparently, you can. It can you can arrest, can arrest it. it. Yeah, it, it wouldn't like go away. You once you're already big, you're big. But I mean, you know, it's just you know he's from some like little village outside of Paris, and, and just Grenoble. the fact that he just kept growing, mm-hmm. and his mom was terrified because she was like, he's just never going to stop. Ric Flair at one point in this documentary says that they drank 103 beers together. Yeah. 100 plus beers. Right. Between the two of them. Well, they said he never drank less than a case. Right. A case was his starting point. He needed a case of beer to get a buzz. There's those famous pictures of his hands with a uh, Molson Canadian in his hand. And it looks uh, it looks like a, a dollhouse version of a, a beer can. But that's what Hulk Hogan said throughout. Also, I thought Hulkster came off great in this. Um, yeah, he did. Just the way he, you know, he, he really did pay homage to to Andre throughout. But he said it was like living in a dollhouse for him everywhere he went because he couldn't fit in anything. Nothing he, was his size. He'd have to fly to Japan because he worked over in Japan all the time, and he'd take those fourteen hour flights, and he'd have to sit in two seats, and he couldn't go to the bathroom in the planes. Right. They'd have to pull that curtain closed and let him pee in a bucket, and then pour the bucket into the toilet. And I knew that he was in a lot of pain. I knew that was a big part of his later life, how difficult it was for him. You know, I heard the stories about him on the set of Princess Bride and how they had to accommodate him because he was in so much pain. I'm sure he would have just been in pain if he lived a regular life without wrestling and the trauma that that brings to your body. Yeah, just because he kept growing and growing. But the fact that Vince McMahon sort of dangled the carrot for him to get better in order to come back for WrestleMania 3, but he still could not get healthy enough to really fully go into that 100% or even, you know, 50%. WrestleMania 3 is when he fought Hulk. That's the, yeah, where he turned heel there, he turned into the villain. And Hulk slammed him. But it was the Hulk comeuppance. It was the big, you know, he was already the Hulk, but that was the final sort of... You are now the king, Hulk said. That was like, you know, Andre did that for him so that Vince could move the the business forward with Hulk at the helm because he was making so much money for him. And so Andre thought, okay, this is the last thing I'm going to do. But he didn't officially sign off on the ending until before the match. And even actually, I guess, going into the match because Hulk made a point of saying, and I didn't know this either. I thought they were always determined 100% of the time. If Andre wanted to change things, he just did. He was such well, a. was going to stop him. Right. Yeah. You couldn't right. stop him. And I didn't realize how big of, like, how much he policed the scene mm-hmm. in terms of, like, if other guys were being scumbags, like, he just beat the hell out of them in the ring. He hated Randy Savage. And he used to mercilessly torture him. Hated Big John Stud. Hated the Iron Sheik. Dude, Big John Stud was six foot six foot ten. Right. And he was a loudmouth, so Andre hated him because Andre just liked, you know, drinking beer and playing cards backstage and just chilling out and but drinking wine. But he stole his move because he stepped over the ropes to get into the ring, and that's that was what Andre did. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. Disrespect the giant. So Andre was just so big and strong, he just beat the snot out of these guys if he wanted to. And then there was nothing they could do about it. And I don't remember who it was. I don't remember if it was Hulk or Ric Flair talking about, it might have been Vince, saying that Big John Studd like, ran out of the ring and got changed and got out of there because he thought Andre was going to continue to kick his ass out of the ring. 
Did the I did I knew they were doing this, but I didn't know it was on last night. Did it make you sad? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. I'm afraid it's going to make me really sad. No, you I didn't watch, realize though. he had a daughter. Through all that, right? Wow. She's in it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. She, that woman. She came out 75 <laughs> pounds. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Her name's Tina the Giant. But you know, it's not shocking that he was an absentee father. But I mean, that's one one of the things that's sad about it. But also, the other thing is, you know, all these other guys who uh, name the biggest star you can think of. They can put on a ball cap and sit in the corner and not be harassed. Right. There's no way to hide that you're seven four and four hundred and seventy pounds. Yeah. Him and Ric Flair drinking 106 beers in one sitting. He would drink six bottles of wine. Rob Reiner talked about uh, on the set of Princess Bride asking Andre, like, uh, Andre, uh, what'd you what'd you do last night? And he's like, yeah, I went out drinking. And he's like, so what do you drink? And he's like, I start off with like six bottles of wine. <laughs> and I have start off three bottles of uh, cognac. That's how he gets going. Wow. Dude, can you imagine even inviting that guy to your party? He would quadruple your liquor sale. Like, <laughs> you know, your liquor purchases. The part that is going to make you sad, Val, is you don't realize somebody who's that big you think would be, like, immune from any harassment. Because who would mess with a guy that big? But, in fact, that was his whole life. Everywhere he went, people would just what point and laugh yeah. and, and make fun of him and, and just say terrible stuff. So good job to uh, Bill Simmons, who made this one happen for HBO, because it is phenomenal. It's definitely going to be one of those documentaries I watch 100 times. His hands. His oh ring size is 24. I, I mean. <laughs> like, and the other thing that I loved about the documentary was that they said, like, everything about him became instant legend, and anything you said about him was believable. Like, Flair was like, they told me he had two hearts. Yeah. <laughs> and I believed it for yeah. a really long time. He said he had two set of teeth. <laughs> yeah, two rows of teeth like a shark. And all these other guys <laughs> would have to wear costumes and stuff, you know? And they're like, Andre, just like walk out there. And everybody was just terrified. Oh, because he'd be head and shoulder above everyone in the crowd. At but, least. Wow, well, you got to see when he's like, when he's young. And they show like the first re wrestling films from when he was starting out hey, in France. Thin. He's like thin. He's so skinny. And they're like, how big are you? Or how much do you weigh? And he's like 305 pounds. And you're like, are you kidding me? He wow. looks like a stick figure. Right. But he's so huge. Yeah, I, I, I do want to watch it. I'm just afraid I'll be very sad. I mean, there's literally not a person they interview who's not speaking in the most glowing terms about this guy and saying he's the greatest guy and he loved to laugh, and he really was the embodiment of the gentle giant. Did he die from a heart attack? Skydiving. <laughs> uh, the whole plane no, went down. Yeah. <laughs> he just, that's right, yeah. Oh, actually, he almost did take a plane down with a fart. <laughs> oh, my God, I forgot about the well, fart, dude. It's <laughs> happened recently. There's this, whole, there's this whole segment on his farts. <laughs> it was his favorite thing to do, was just lift his left leg and crank one out. He said it would last like 30 seconds and it would be like this roar. And the, the Hulk is trying to describe one. He's like, it sounded like uh, skin flapping for 30 seconds. <laughs> a big rumble. Yeah, watch it. sounds it. like a lion roar. You'll love it and you'll watch it over and over. But the, the footage 
is incredible. Some of the pictures. I mean, that one of him sitting on the plane going to Tokyo. where It it doesn't look real. It's like all these tiny Asian dudes around him, and he's sitting in a whole section by himself, and he's still cramped in. Yeah, how, I mean, planes aren't very high. You know, there's not much clearance above your head. Yeah. that that poor guy. So that's what they talked about him being uncomfortable all the time. All the time. All the time. And you'll love his family. His Some of his siblings are still alive and stuff, and they're over there in, uh, is it Moyang? How do you say it? M-O-L- he was born in I- Grenoble. France. It says here he was born in Moyang. I'm not sure how you say it. Where'd you get Grenoble from? I don't know. I always heard that that's where he was from Grenoble. Well, they France. they used to say he was from the French Alps because that just sounded better. Yeah, than some no name town. Like he was an abominable snowman. <laughs> also, by the way, did you know he was in an episode of the Six Million Dollar Man? No, he played a Sasquatch, <laughs> and he lifted a tree out of the ground and started beating the Six Million Dollar Man I think with I'd a tree. Remember that part? Yeah. Andre the Giant, HBO. Watch that documentary. It is the best. Val's got news coming up next. What do you got? We're going to talk a little bit about a comic actor, T.J. Miller. Yeah. Just kind of going off the rails a little bit. He's losing it a little bit. Yeah, so we'll talk about him coming up. And it's National Pet Day. So we'll talk a little about pet stats. Is that nice? I'll give you another reason to post my Kenny G picture. I always I posted it yesterday for National Sibling Day. I always post the if there's a day that I can figure out a reason to post me and Kenny G, I do. There doesn't have to be a reason, Randy. Alarming Just... the amount of people who actually think it's my my brother. <laughs> Come on, they're like, oh, your brother has longer hair than you. I'm like, for real, you don't recognize Kenny? You G? don't you don't know that this is Kenneth Gorlick? Wait a minute, for real, I look like Kenny G. <laughs> Southern California officials aren't saying exactly how a man got stuck to a park bench, but they do say it was a personal body part. Oh, old man. That caused the trouble. The bizarre case unfolded over the weekend when rescue crews were asked to assist the elderly man in East Hollywood. He somehow got stuck between the slats in the bench. Ooh. Which I guess you can imagine Ah, what happened. No. Imagine how embarrassing (laughs) that is. Oh, for that guy? You just got it. You just got it. What about the what about the first responders? You know, they're like all set to go uh, out there and be brave. They were waiting for this day. They trained for it. We got a nut job for you. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, Val Porter. It's game day. I found the audio. Uh oh. That I was wondering. That I remembered. Okay. From Sid Crosby. Turn, turn me on over there. Talking about the Flyers. I don't like any guy on their team there, so his glove was near me. Went to pick it up, and I pushed it. So, yeah, that's... He was one of them. I don't like him. Because <laughs> I don't like him. I don't like, I don't like any guy on their team. Guys. That's awesome. That was when he flipped Voracek's glove. Oh, yeah, I remember stick. that. I sent. I went after I found that video. I went back and watched some other videos of uh, penguins and flyers fights from the 2012. Oh my so god! I, I, I sent him to Gino. Joe. He, he's going to get him posted on the website. So the that tang. should really ramp up your hate for this series because I really wasn't hating them yet. And I watched some of the videos. Like, yes, I hate you, Flyers. That was. That was one of my lowest moments as a Penguin fan. I remember yep. sitting there watching that like one just melee on the ice in which like 
I think it was the. They were all over the place. It was a game five when they just yeah. Oh yeah, and that and was, that was it. That was the game. We we lost the series there. And the a game against the Flyers is when Laviolette and Tony Granato were going at each other. Yep. On the benches. I never forget though, the best the best uh, fight, the most consequential, Max Talbot, Dan Carcillo, and Carcillo. Oh yeah, I forgot to send you that one, Joe. <laughs> That's the. I mean. Come on, turned it around right there. Cemented Max's legacy in Pittsburgh. Tonight, awesome. I'm, with, I'm with you because I, I feel like I don't have enough hatred for them yeah, right well, now. Well, watch those videos, you will. All right. Well, as okay. soon as you see that orange in person, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. I tell you what will do it. If for some reason they're able to steal a game here in the first two and go back to Philadelphia, the, those Feeling crowds good. will make you hate again. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Oh, even if they go, even if they don't steal a game here, those crowds—that's true—will boil your blood no matter what. That's who they are in Philly. Josh Yowie uh, from the Athletic, Phil Bork, the old two niner, Bupinder and Randeep from uh, Hockey Night in Punjabi, and Mark Madden—all still to come. Talking Penn's Flyers this morning on DVE. What's up, Val? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 34 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by BoppyRayHall.com. Bill Cosby's defense team wasted no time attacking his main accuser on the second day of the comedian's sex assault retrial. In his opening argument, according to ABC News, Tom Mesero portrayed Andrea Constand as a con artist who targeted a lonely man with bogus claims of sexual assault for money. Now, if you heard the name Thomas Mesero and you're like, that name sounds familiar. Uh, he got Michael Jackson acquitted on child molestation charges in 2005. Oh, this is a good guy. Yeah, real nice guy. Mesereau then painted Cosby as the victim, saying the accusations against him have been brutal. He called the prosecution's case nonsense. The first of five accusers also took the stand on Tuesday. Heidi Thomas says Cosby lured, lured her to a home in Reno with the promise of helping her acting career. According to Thomas, he asked her to play a drunk person and insisted she take a drink of wine. She did. She testified, quote, I remember waking up on a bed. I don't know whose bed it was. I had my clothes on. He did not. I was lying down and he was, I can't. I can't quote the rest of the you testimony on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was forcing himself on her. Ugh. So uh, the trial does continue today in eastern Pennsylvania. And much more pleasant news today is National Pet Day. So it's a good day uh-huh. to show some love to our furry friends who always show us unconditional love. So what are the most popular pets in America? Not a surprise, dogs number one. 45% of us have dogs. Cats come in second, followed by fish, birds, hamsters, gerbils, mice, <laughs> all one category. Mice? Uh, yeah, and rats, they say, make really good pets, although that's not on the list. Come on. Pigs make good pets. They're smart. Mm-hmm. They really say, smart. They say rats are smart, too. Uh, horses, rat. snakes, guinea pigs. I don't know why that wouldn't go in the hamster, gerbil, mice category, but iguanas, geckos, and other lizards. Are and, horses dumb? Uh, I don't think so. Not all of them. Like relative smart ones. Don't they have there. like a small brain? I don't know. That, that doesn't necessarily mean they're dumb, but I think they have like huge head, small brain. I don't know. You can teach them to dance. <laughs> well, I sit corrected then. <laughs> Tarantulas came in last on the list. Yeah, and who would want that? Pets. I think 1% was... Yeah, 1% of people have 
tarantula. If you have a terrarium, I don't feel like you have a pet. No. You have so, you caught something. Well, isn't that then guinea pigs, hamsters, mm-hmm. fish? Yeah, that's right. Lizard. Lizard. I mean, a fish gross. is not really a pet. It's incapable of. You have a fish. It's. It doesn't. Uh, you know. It's you can't not, play with it. Not really. I mean, I've tried. <laughs> and isn't it like somebody that has like an iguana as a pet? That is such a specific type of person. Yes. Like I remember somebody even in high school was just I had no interest at all. Some dude was like, "Hey, you want to go upstairs and check out my iguana?" I was like, "I'll pass." Yeah, we're not That's a hard pass for me. We're not going to be friends. If you have an iguana, if you have a reptile, high probability you have a waterbed and a machete. <laughs> Silk sheets. Yes. Drive a Trans Am. In other pet news, a Netflix study found when it comes to binge watching, we would rather watch with our pets than our partners. 84% of Americans have watched Netflix with their pets, and a whopping 71% said pets are the best partners for Netflix marathons. Probably because they don't talk. They don't ask, They're not asking Wait a minute, questions. who's that guy? What's that mean? Gardell said this one time on the show, and I completely agree with him, and I don't know if you do this too. Serena will talk and ask questions while something is happening on the TV, and I just want to hear the words. <laughs> I'm sure I do. I don't know. And I'm you like, ask oh, my husband. pause. What, what did you want to? Okay. All right. Let's talk about this a little bit. You done? All right. And when I went and saw Black Panther, I uh, went with a friend of mine, and she was like, after the con- or after the concert, after the movie, she was like, I have a lot of questions. And I'm like, <laughs> about Black Panther? What? Where did you get confused? And then I had to ex- sit and explain the movie. And she was like, oh, well, now it all makes sense. And I was glad that she wasn't like, you know, nudging me the entire time. Like, well, what did that mean? Why would he do that? Right. Who's she? Who is that guy? I got confused. Aren't they on the same team? There's no teams. <laughs> U.S. News and World Report publishes its list of the best places to live in the United States. The list ranks the uh, country's 125 largest metropolitan areas based on affordability, job prospects, and quality of life. For the second year in a row, Austin, Texas took the number one spot. Colorado Springs, Colorado is number two, bumping Denver down to number three. Des Moines, Iowa moved up five spots and now ranks fourth in the country. Fayetteville, Arkansas is number five for the second consecutive year, followed by Portland, Huntsville, Alabama, Washington, D.C., Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Seattle is 10th. Pittsburgh not in the top 100, but Lancaster is 32 and Harrisburg is 45 on the list. Not only is opioid use dropping in states where medical marijuana is legal, according to a new study, fewer people are binge drinking in states where recreational weed is legal. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found one in six adults in America are binge drinking at least once a week. But in states where weed is legal, that number is 13 percent lower because, well, people are hitting the bong instead. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this comes down to accessibility. Right. Like people yeah, want to break from reality in some way. And it's a lot of the times it's obviously the easiest to get beer and alcohol. But I mean, it's second easiest to get prescribed something. Uh, again, I've said it the last three days, I think opioid use markedly down in areas where it's there's medicinal marijuana legal or even recreational. So, I mean, the number one first step we should be thinking about to curb opioid abuse is the legalization of marijuana and uh let's get rid of big pharma and 
bring in some big farming. At least, yeah, downsize big pharma, for God's sake. I can't believe somebody actually tried this. A San Francisco area kid draped himself in a trench coat and stood on top of a friend to try to get beer. It's like a movie the plot. Old, uh, <laughs> little rascals trick. Marcus Rinaldi went on a local news site to say he saw a boyish-looking fellow Thursday outside <laughs> a local market and said it was easy to tell he was speaking to one kid perched on the other kid's shoulders. The cartoony scene unfolded even further when the kid on top asked the guy to go in the store to buy him booze because he left his ID at the detective agency where he worked. <laughs> That's awesome. Investigating people claiming to be with the Illuminati. Ah, well, Illuminati investigators often uh, need a, a nip at the end of the day to calm down. <laughs> he thought he was being punked by the pair, so he didn't bite. He told them he uh, also misplaced he, his ID and wouldn't be able to get them any beer. So, Forecast today, clouds and sun, low 50s for the high. It's 34 degrees at DVE. Well, pens and flyers tonight, game one at the PPG Paints Arena. And joining us now from theathletic.com, hockey writer Josh Yowie. Josh, good morning. How are you, man? Good morning, guys. How are you? I'm excited. I'm super excited for this matchup. I wasn't sure that uh, I wanted to face the Flyers right away because I didn't want to lose to the Flyers because that pessimistic part of my Penguin fandom uh, you know, doesn't want that bruise on the ego should it come to that. But, Josh, how likely is it that that could happen? I mean, in your eyes, how far apart is this series? Because our own Mike Pursuta seems to be pretty confident that this is Penguins in five at most. Yeah, anything's possible, of course. But I think if you look at the Eastern Conference field, this is probably the best matchup for the Penguins. Uh, the Flyers, I give them credit. They've they've been much better this season than anybody could have anticipated. They were really bad last year, and they're, they're pretty young. But it's a good matchup for the Penguins. The Flyers are not good defensively. They're not particularly good in goal. And, boy, that's a bad combination against right. the Penguins, the way they can score goals. So anything's possible. I wouldn't be completely dismissive of the Flyers, but I, I would certainly expect the Penguins to prevail in five or six games. Uh, they're just a better team. Uh, they're playing not at their best right now, I don't think, but uh, I don't see the Flyers beating them in a series. I'd be quite surprised. Yeah, and just to follow up on that a little bit, Josh, I'm not necessarily predicting 6 nothing every game. Uh, mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a bunch of one-goal games, but the Penguins just uh, the last couple of years – in general, and this year against Philly in particular, have a knack for, as Patrick Hornquist likes to say, finding a way to win. <laughs> uh, that is correct. Um, uh, yeah, Mike, I, I just think the Penguins have a gear the Flyers don't have. And, yeah, there, there's going to be close games in the series. I would expect a high-scoring series. Uh, let's not fool ourselves into thinking the Penguins are some great defensive team either. Um, but that, that's not how they play. That, that's just not who they are. And you have to also, I think, factor in all the playoff experience they have. You've got a bunch of two-time Stanley Cup champions on this team, and the Flyers have a handful of guys who have never been in the playoffs before. Um, so when those close games come, yeah, I think you have to favor the Penguins in such a setting. I expect a high-scoring series. I promise you it will not be boring. I don't know that it will become violent the way some series in the past have because really the Flyers don't play like uh, right. your granddaddy's Flyers. They really don't. They're a, a pretty skilled, fast team. They're, they're kind of molded almost in the same way as the Penguins just in that regard. But uh, it's going to be entertaining. There's going to be a lot of goals scored, no question. Are the Penguins not a great defensive team, or is that just an aspect of their game because it's so hard to play defense well and you have to commit to it? Is that something that just lagged periodically in the regular season? 
because they're a two-time champ and they were waiting for game 83? Well, I think there's an element of that. And listen, they play an up-tempo game, and so when you play an up-tempo game, you're going to get more chances and you're going to give up more because you know they're not sitting back, and, and that, that's just the way it is. But I don't think they're a great defensive team. I, I think there are some red flags there, certainly. Uh, you know, we've talked about Crystal Fang a ton this season. He hasn't had a good year. He, he has been specifically responsible for a lot of goals against for a number one defenseman. And he might be, other than Matt Murray, their single most important player this postseason. If he plays better, if he can find that level or at least close to the level that he was at in 2016, then no, maybe they won't be a bad defensive team. Maybe they'll they'll be perfectly fine in that regard. But he needs to be a lot better, something that we haven't really seen yet this season from him. But when you score as many goals as the Penguins as we've seen over the last couple of years, you don't need to be the uh, you know 1999 Devils defensively. You really don't. They need to be adequate in that regard. Matt Murray needs to play well, and and if that happens, they can beat anybody because there aren't any great goaltenders in the Eastern Conference, quite frankly, and they can score against anyone. We've seen that this season since January 1st. They've been the best offensive team in hockey. So all Sullivan's repeated, you can't win, score your way to a championship. What he's really saying is, hey guys, pay a little attention to defense, will you? That's exactly right. <laughs> I think that's a very good way to look at it. And uh, if he says that specifically, game. they'll they won't listen. But if he keeps overstating it, they might pay some attention. I get that sense very strongly from him. <laughs> In fact, I was talking with Jim Rutherford yesterday, and he said, "You know, I know we've got a bunch of future Hall of Famers, but let's not act like this is an easy team to coach." And, and I think he was he was kind of getting at that a little bit. But yeah, if if they can just be okay defensively, and I know Sullivan knows that. Maybe they can score their way to a championship because no one else has the star power that they have. We know that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if uh, you talk about Penguins, uh, who are postseason and big game uh, players, you know, we're waiting to see what Broussard can do in the postseason. That's, you know, one of the uh, reasons why they went out and got him. Kessel has been amazing in big games. Who do the Flyers have that the Penguins should look out for that rises to the occasion? Well, they have a lot of guys who have given the Penguins fits over the years. Um, we know about Claude Giroux and Jake Borchak, right. who are you know, really great players, especially on the power play. But you know who kills the Penguins, and it's Wayne Simmons. And he is a lot like Patrick Hornquist in his ability to give you fits around the net. He, he's, he's been a pest for years for the Penguins, and it's an issue for the Penguins because they're just not a physical team. Their, their blue line is built to, to skate and to move the puck, and especially with Ian Colgan, they don't really have anyone who's going to go to war with Wayne Simmons in front of the net. So to me, that's an issue. And the other guy to keep your eye on for Philadelphia, he's been arguably their best player this year, is Sean Couturier. And he's a guy for years, he's been known more of a defensive shutdown forward. He gives Geno Malkin a lot of fits. Uh, Geno does not like playing against him. But Couturier had a great year offensively, too. So uh, the Flyers are a little top-heavy up front. But those top three or four guys are really, really good players, and they have a history of playing pretty well against the Penguins. What's your call on the series, Josh? I'm going to go Penguins in six. Um, I, I think the Flyers will put up a pretty good fight. I just think the Penguins are better and they're healthy, and I just don't see this Philadelphia team being able to match up. And guys, the Penguins got the best possible draw they could have gotten in the Eastern Conference, if you look at it. Given how they match up against the Flyers and then the Blue uh, Blue Jackets and Capitals, really good draw. Josh Yowie from The Athletic. Josh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, you got it. We'll see you. Doing great stuff, as always, in The Athletic.
I like what they got going on over there. I like mm-hmm. Seth's stuff. I like Josh's stuff. You like stuff. the athletic. I do. I think it's really well done. I don't know if it's good for the industry. I I, I haven't. I don't know enough about it yet. No, I, think I read some articles that some people are like, "Oh, this is bad for sports writing going forward." Nah, I think I think but, it's fine for the industry. I think it's just transitioning from reading a newspaper in your hand right. to, to reading a phone or reading a computer. But uh, it's well done, and it's yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. They should probably pay for my subscription. On the way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the old two niner Phil Bork plus hockey night in Punjabi announcers. Bupinder, Hundal, and Randeep Janda, they'll join us at 9.15. I mean, you know him from the Bonino call, but, you know, you might have forgotten that he was also a part of, well, you know, he did the, uh, oops, it's not Bonino. Pittsburgh, Nathan Horner, Hajibi, on and Bonino, the shot! What kind of guy go on, Nick Bonino, 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 the null! Haggy, 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 haggy! Nice audible. Hey, you gotta transition quickly into postseason. Yeah. Prince. DVE Sports. Here's Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. It is game one tonight. The Penguins and the Flyers. It is playoff time in the National Hockey League. And Penn's defenseman Chris Letang is approaching what's about to take place with an appropriate level of enthusiasm. I'm always excited when I have a chance to win. Um, even if I was not playing last year, I was excited for the guys. Uh, they made me feel part of it, and uh, I was I was pretty pumped. So um, it's the time of the year that hockey becomes a lot more fun. Yeah, it does become a lot more fun, doesn't it? I don't mm-hmm. know that uh, for sure. Just comparing it to football and baseball, I don't know that the difference between the regular season and the postseason is as profound in uh, the other two sports as it is in hockey. I don't throw in basketball because I just don't watch the NBA, so I couldn't tell you. But uh, something about playoff hockey in the NHL, it is just phenomenal. It's the best. Um, it's definitely the toughest, I think. And maybe part of that has to do with the regular season schedule is so disjointed. You might have one team that's been off for four days. The other team might have just played three and four nights. One team might be playing it back-to-back. The other one might not. Uh, it, it's not a level playing field in terms of what you go through leading into regular season games. But now the Pens and Flyers are going to see each other for a while here, and they're going to they're gonna be on the same schedule. They're going to be on the same clock. They're going to be in the same time zone, and they're going to know uh, what they have to deal with and that the other team is dealing with the same kind of stuff off the ice. Uh, interesting to hear uh, our last guest, Josh Yoey, talk about Crystal Tang. And his uneven season, I couldn't agree with him more. I think Latang is maybe the biggest X factor the Penguins have. Uh, you, you're not sure what you're going to get, right? It, it's it could be brilliant, it could be uh, pull your hair out, frustrating. And uh, if he can settle down and play the kind of game he's capable of playing, and the game the Penguins need him to play, that's going to bode well, not just in this series, but uh, moving forward as the head coach. <laughs> Likes to say the Pens are an experienced team, and Chris Tang, one of those guys who has a lot of postseason experience. In addition to having an appreciation for the excitement of the moment, the Penguins are going to bring a been there, done that, understanding of how the postseason needs to work to the ice tonight against the Flyers. Well, I think we have experience. Uh, the little nerves and, uh, and the not grittiness of young guys, I think it's, it's gone. So uh, I think we know what to expect, and we have to uh, make sure we have the right mindset going in. Uh, wanted to dictate the pace with our speed and, and our game. So 
um, I think that's how we have to approach it. You know, you can't just have experience, but when you have talent and skill and some youth sprinkled in and energy and also experience, that's a tough thing to to get past if you don't have experience on the other side. This Penguins team, uh, since they started winning a couple of years ago with the, such an influx of guys from the AHL, they, they had the youth and the inexpensive guys that you need to keep the stars <laughs> under the right. salary cap. Yeah. They, they were getting production from the bottom part of the roster, and they still had the top-end uh, talent that uh, has been a characteristic of this team for a long time. So uh, how do they make all that work? Uh, how do you apply that experience? Here's Chris Tang uh, talking about his approach to how playoff games need to be played. I would say you you try to build your game throughout the series or um, shift after shift. You try to keep it simple early on. Uh, make sure you get your legs behind. Uh, you play. You pay attention to the details, and uh, after that, you, you get comfortable on there and uh, you're able to make plays. So um, I think uh, that's how that's how I approach it, and that's how you need to approach it. Yeah, he's not the only guy that approaches it that way. It's really detailed stuff from Chris Letang. He gets it. They all know how they need to play, right? Will they play that way? Well, that, that's the thing with Letang, is how much of what he's doing is a mental limitation and how much of it is a physical limitation. I mean, how much? Know. It's actually probably a combination of the both. Him trying to do more than he used to, uh, and he's not able to post-surgeries, post-many years playing in the NHL, and can he condition himself to not take the same chances he used to as a younger guy? Or if you want to go back to the dark days pre-Mike Sullivan, who was likely to get thrown off his game? Hmm. Crystal Tang was right up there at the top. He wasn't alone, but they had that uh, Achilles heel of, you know, mess with the Penguins, uh, get in their face, give them a little butt end, give them a little slash, and they're going to melt down and go crazy. You can see it happen to Geno sometimes. I mean, in real time, you're like, uh-oh, there it is. That's what's going to sell. And there's the retaliation. Okay. And Latang's a guy that's taken too many penalties and played uh, too uh, wild a game at times, but he's also a very good player and uh, a guy who can really lead this thing from the front. Uh, the more I hear you talk about all this, Mike, the more I, I love Latang in this series. Because give me a guy who's an elite athlete with something to prove. Give me somebody with a chip on their shoulder who is a superstar in his own right who's been having an uneven season. Give me that guy, please. And he's got a little perspective, too. You know, Chris Tang is a three-time nominee for the Bill Masterton Trophy, which is given every year to the player who exhibits uh, dedication and uh, perseverance uh, toward the sport of hockey. You have to have something bad happen to you and then bounce back from it to get the Masterton Trophy. Nobody wants to be nominated for that three times. Right. Uh, <laughs> Crystal Tang didn't get to play in the playoffs last year. You know, he, had, he only played 41 regular season games. He had to sit the whole thing out. Uh, he's got a chance here that he now, I think, at this stage of his career, really appreciates. And, yep. and, he, and he knows what, what can be waiting for him at the end of it, but he also knows that uh, you can't count on it every year. He's in uh, a good spot. I think the Pens are in a good spot. I think it's Pens in five, but it's going to be five difficult games. <laughs> Does that make any sense? It's, For sure. They're not blowing these guys out, but it's postseason uh, hockey. It just doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, I don't see the Flyers uh, beating them more than once. Well, of course, I've been wrong before. Yeah, let's yeah, see. I'd it love starts... for you to be wrong and them not to beat them at all and just sweep them. 
It starts tonight, a 7 o'clock puck drop at PBG Paints Arena. The old two-nighter, Phil Borka on the way, plus Bupinder, Hundal, and Randeep Janda from Hockey Night in Punjabi. Mark Madden next hour. A lot of pregame talk for you coming up. And Val has your news at the top of the hour. What's up, Val? Uh, there seems to be a rash of people being naked in public and enjoying their own company in public. I don't, maybe everybody's excited about the well, hockey Mercury, playoffs. Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> I think that's how you get a rash. Yeah. So that's coming up. Don't forget, you can listen to the DBE Morning Show anytime, anywhere, using the iHeartRadio app. Just download the iHeartRadio app to your uh, smartphone, your tablet, whatever. Search DVE. Take us with us. Take us with you wherever you go. iHeartRadio.com is the DVE Morning Show. We're awaiting the old two-niner, Bill Bork, who will be joining us shortly. want to remind you, Burning Bridges Comedy Festival kicks off tonight. Shane Torres is going to be at Nordy's Place, which is the uh, the uh, at Pitt. Yes. Right? It's the union, uh, the, the student union building. Uh, Shane Torres is the guy who did the great comedy bit that went viral <laughs> on the Conan O'Brien show where he defended Guy Fieri. In defense of Guy Fieri. Yeah. Which, which is a, a tall task. Yeah, but it was brilliantly done. He's a funny guy. He'll be at Nordy's Place in the Pitt Union tonight starting the Burning Bridges Comedy Festival, which will go all week and conclude Sunday night with our own Bill Crawford headlining Club Cafe. I'm burning the last bridge. You are. BurningBridgesFestival.com. Get the full lineup. And uh, you can see all these great comics that are coming into town this weekend. And it, like we just said, concludes with Bill. So, good deal. We were thinking about doing this whole festival on the Liberty Bridge, but we thought that would be too on the nose. Yeah, that might be a little bit too uh, little too dangerous these days. Um, all right. On the way next hour, we've got the Punjabi uh, Hockey Night in Punjabi announcers. Bupinder, Hundal. Yes, they are. They're old friends. They've They're- been in a parade here. They have. We've had them on a bunch of times. Uh, Mark Madden also going to be joining us. I know Mark is very excited. For, How could you not be? Well, because it's the Flyers. You know what I mean? That makes me even more excited, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm thrilled. I hate these Jagoffs. <sighs> I just can't wait to see them spend all that money to come see a game here and leave losers. Now, the Punjabi guys, of course, were famous for the Benino goal, which went viral. But, you know, they got a Kessel goal goal in them, too. All right. I, want, I wonder if the Benino Benino song. I need Benino. I wonder if that oh, followed yeah. him. I wonder if that followed him to uh, where did he go? Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. I forgot the all Preds. about that song. That was which trade was that? Holding out. Oh, the... that was from Vancouver, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man, we got Borky on. This was the the song. Which was very well done and hilarious. Oh, yeah. The video to, to go yeah. with it. I but hope it, was, it did follow one. Well, weren't they just basically like a couple of hockey writers from the Vancouver Sun? I think, yeah, just. The really angry coach is gone and so is the GM. I'm the guy who's cleaning up their messes. You can call me Jim. 
Rutherford. with us right now, Phil Bork and uh, Borky, unable to make it in on the uh, telephone this morning. And uh, let me see. Now I got you. Borky, you there? Uh-oh. Do we have yeah, a connection? Okay, now He's we got there. him. Yeah, I'm with you. Top of the morning to you, boys and girls. Borky, we had a special treat for you this morning. Oh, no. Don't tell me that. We thought you were going to be here. And so we have a special treat for you. Uh, upstairs in the studio, ready to perform the old 2 Niner song, in its entirety. In its entirety. Live. Live. Chip Demonic. And the boys are upstairs. Chip, can you hear me? Yes, sir. How's hey, it going? Hey, see that? Borky, we got him here live. That's unbelievable. How about a live version of the old 2 Niners song? Chip, can you give it to us? We'll give it to you. It's a great day for playoff hockey. All right, man. Yeah. Let's hear it. Chip in the charge nice. ups upstairs right now. Chip, Jeff, Eric, Mike, and Chris put that together. Chip in the charge ups. Uh, May 12th, they'll be at the Millvale Music Festival. You can hear more from them at thechargeups.com on Instagram at thechargeups and Facebook.com slash thechargeups. Borky, we had a great job up there, Chip. Thank you. Oh, Thanks that, for the opportunity. That, okay, man. That was awesome. Borky. That was incredible. Man, I can just imagine sitting in traffic. 
tapping the foot along to that, reaching down, turning up the volume. That was off the charts great. The live, well, we figured the playoffs are, uh, are kicking off. We had to we had to kick it up a notch ourselves. Yep. Step the game up. Yeah. That's, that's tremendous. I'm sorry I couldn't make it in today. I have no good excuse except that I'm, I'm, this is concussion stuff here. That's a poor excuse, but completely <laughs> forgetting. That's all I got for you. No, that's okay. That's fine. I don't even have concussion stuff, and I completely forget all the time. <laughs> uh, tonight, though, I can't forget this. Yeah. The pens no. and the flyers once again. And, you know, it's funny because Val was talking about it earlier, how it's hard for a lot of people to sort of regenerate the hate for the flyers for some reason. Just because it's not it, hasn't been as intense lately. Right. The rivalry. Six years since right. they faced yeah. each other in the postseason. Pens owned the regular season. But yeah. that all changes tonight, Porky. It does. Yeah, it it really doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, and you look at even the four games, the Pens played really good in Philly. They won each game five to five to two and five to one. But both games here in Pittsburgh had to go to bonus hot. Uh and the Flyers uh squandered leads in each game. So obviously they, they don't feel that uncomfortable playing here in Pittsburgh. So I don't think you could take those four games that were played during the regular season and put a whole lot of water into them and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hold. It's, it's a different animal when it comes to playoff time. Yeah, and uh, tonight, of course, Matt Murray, once again, we're relying on him. He didn't have the, uh, the greatest of regular seasons, but look, who can argue with the success he's had in the postseason the last couple of years? You're confident we see the Matt Murray of the postseason from the, the last two cup runs? Yeah, 22-9, and nine, lifetime in the playoffs with under uh, two goals against, over a a 925 save percentage. I mean, those are those are shocking numbers. Uh, and you know what? I think deep down he kind of likes that people like you, Randy, are saying, eh, well, he didn't have that good of a regular season. Oh, his glove hand. Uh, you know? Like, I think that, I think you are just squirting gasoline on his fire. Good. Fine. Yeah. Right. Crappy glove hand. Go low. <laughs> you know, does that fire him up? I'll, I'll yell as much as I can. No, I really think that fuels him. Uh, not only does he just love playing when all the chips are on the line, but he, he loves when anybody on the outside doubts him. He doesn't really come out and say it. It's not something he spends a lot of time thinking about, but I think it just helps him in this process of getting to another level. I saw an interview, Borky, where um, the Flyers defenseman Gudis said, you know, Pens have won back-to-back cups, all the pressure's on them. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think, you know, to be a Stanley Cup champion, you have to love pressure. You have to have a little bit of a uh, a gambler mentality in you where you like when the chips are all on the line, that you don't sweat, that it gets you this, uh, this blood flow, this flow of adrenaline that you absolutely love, that you thrive off of. Uh, so pressure is something that you can either take and you can use it for good or some, you know, players or people – that don't become the best in their field, look at pressure like, oh, man, what's going to go wrong? Something's going to go wrong. I'm going to make a mistake. I don't want to screw up. Uh, the Penguins aren't like that. They love the pressure. The pressure means more is on the line, and success happens when preparation meets opportunity. The Penguins have been preparing for these playoffs all season long. That, that's such a great point by you because, really, what pressure comes down to is perspective. And if you're a team that hasn't been in the postseason or hasn't had you know, a team that's been together for a while and won back-to-back cups, you look at it as the nerves and the jitters and, uh, am I going to turn the puck over in the neutral zone? Am I going to give up odd man rushes? Where if you're the Penguins, you go, we love it. Come on, bring it. 
We love it. And, you know, not, not to look so far in the past, but we had those guys in the early 90s, too. I clearly remember it, that when it was the moment, whether it's a game seven or it's overtime or, you know, you're down 3-1 in the series or whatever it may be, you look around that room and you don't see one guy with this anxiety or this nervousness. You see a bunch of guys that are frothing at the mouth and can't wait to get on the ice. How much do they think about the last two cups right now? Depends. Yeah. I think they think about it, and they should think about it. They should embrace the moment. They should embrace the eight series they went through and what was game one like. How did I feel before game one? Maybe I wasn't at my best. What do I need to do different? And what did I do really good? Or, or what did I do when uh, I went on the road to that first game? I think you should, you should remember all those moments that you experienced in the last two years, and you should embrace them, and you should remember them. And you, you should also have a, a nice, healthy chip on your shoulder and say, we are the Stanley Cup champions, and we should play like it. Because the reason I asked Sidney Crosby saying he's trying to win, a, he's trying to win the Cup, not a third Cup. And I'm wondering what the healthy sort of, you know, line of demarcation is for, like, you know, gleaning some confidence from what you've been able to do and not resting on your laurels. Yeah, I think when when the puck gets dropped, you think Mm -hmm. about winning that shift, Randy. And then when you win that shift, you think of winning the period. When you win the period, you think about winning the game. And that's that's how it has to go. And then you then you hit the reset button. You try to do it again. And that's that's really the way it has to boil down. If you start thinking anything past your first shift in the first period, you can kind of get yourself in trouble. So I think that's what Sid was saying, that we're not trying to win a third. That, the third and, the, and all the stuff, the legacy and, and, and all that stuff um, will take care of itself when it's all said and done. But as a player, you got to put the blinders on. You have to dial in like you've never, di- never dialed in before. What's the potential hang-up in this series, Borky? Uh, I would say the Flyers' power play. I mean, it's deadly. I, I know it was only 15th in the league in the regular season, but I, it's the one thing, the couple players that I talked to, the Penguins, the first thing I, uh, they said that came out of their mouth when I asked about the Philadelphia Flyers was their power play. Um, now, the Penguins are a team that normally you would think was a pretty disciplined team under Mike Sullivan, but it, it's a dangerous power play. And they've got some guys that are game breakers, and Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Jake Voracek, Wayne Simmons, I mean, they, they have guys that can, that can score goals. I think uh, where the Penguins can exploit the Philadelphia Flyers is their defensemen. Uh, Shane Gossespierre is, a, is more of an offensive-minded defenseman. And, uh, I, you know, that, that number three pairing with Ragto Gudis and Brandon Manning, you know, I, I, you know, if you can get that matchup with Sid and Geno, I, I kind of like it favor Penguins. And what's your thoughts on uh, Elliott? Uh, he's done it in the postseason before, but not lately. Well, he's 33 years old, and he's coming off of, uh, what, he missed six weeks with the uh, abdominal core injury. Uh, and he's only played two games coming off that injury. So uh, I guess he's a bit of a wild card. You don't really know what you're going to get. Um, that's a long time to miss this time of year and come right back into playoff hockey, basically. And uh, you're right, his numbers are good. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that the Penguins were able to get to earlier this year in a game um, where they put five up against them. In one game, they put four up against them in another game. So they've been able to get to Elliott before. But you're right. He's a guy that he's probably looking for some traction, Mike. He, early on in the series, he, he just wants to kind of get to his game to feel good about himself. So that makes game number one and the first period even more important. The Penguins can kind of take any kind of confidence he's looking to get, take it away early. 
Phil Bork, the old two-niner this morning on the DVE Morning Show, and you can hear him tonight alongside the Hockey Hall of Famer, Mike Lang, on our brother station, 105.9 The X, for the 7 o'clock puck drop between the Flyers and the Penguins at PPG Paints Arena. Borky, thank you! Girl, Randall, Valerie, and Michael, this is a good time. And thank you all the boys upstairs for the old two-niner song. It is playoff hockey, baby. I enjoyed it. Good hockey talk. Erg. When they poop in your silverware drawer, that's when you declare war. That is when I declare yep. war. You've had that happen? Oh, yeah. Like, this is war. Didn't you have it a horrible mouse-killing episode one time? Uh, oh, me personally? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, yes. I caught one in a trap <laughs> and it didn't die. I was in college. And it was flopping around, suffering. So I put a dustpan over it and I beat it with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't want... It was almost dead, but not completely dead. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Oh, yeah. Val uh, Porter, mouse torturer, with the uh, news for you right now. (laughs) Well, that time there were footprints in the butter, so I was like... Oh, that's so gross. Yeah, I know. So I had to do something. Did you throw the... I felt awful, but I couldn't let him suffer. Did you throw the butter out? Yeah. No, we ate it. You didn't Mm -hmm. cut it in half? No. Do the old cut in half. No. Use the bottom half. That's fine. Mm-mm. He might have been rolling all around in it. Oh, just ba- swimming in the bathing in the butter. She, bur- she buried the mouse in that butter. <laughs> we, we were talking about that because of the Pittsburgh Popcorn Company story that was reported, and now they're fighting that the health department mistook a number of burnt popcorn like kernels the, and the husks stuff. as yeah, husk. being mouse turds. I don't know how that could happen Me neither. because I th- I'm I'm almost positive that the people that come and do those examinations test like they He's don't just like, go on the eye test like what's that look like it looks like poop all right we're done here yeah, it seems to have to should be a little more uh, detailed than that uh, yeah I don't know I have no idea I love Pittsburgh Popcorn Company popcorn I think it's awesome I ship it everywhere at the holidays. So uh, I'm hoping whatever's going on there gets fixed. But that would be hilarious if they had some dope health inspector who didn't know what a mouse turd was. They're like, literally, the only thing you need to know is what a mouse turd looks like. (laughs) He's just shutting down every place that he goes into. (laughs) It looks like mouse turds. It's just dumb. Shut this place down. You're done. He just mistakes everything for mouse turds. A big pile of dog crap outside. Mouse! And he's a big one. mouse turds? Huge mouse Big mice. Um, thousands and thousands of turds, they said. <laughs> By the way, is that the technical? Do you say turds or do you say droppings? Because <laughs> dropping sounds like they lost their keys. Yeah. I don't know. We say turds. These are turds. <laughs> We're lay we people, say. though. These, Yeah, I don't know what the industry people say. These are turds. I hope it goes to court and they have to actually show samples between the turds and the husks. There's got to be a turd expert. Really, if we can't bring the turds and the husks together in the Middle East, (laughs) we're never going to solve that problem over there. Uh, What do you have going on? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. 36 degrees at DVEM Val Porter. The guest list is complete. There are some surprises when it comes to who will not be invited to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding. Along uh, All along, the two have said that they want members of the public to participate in their nuptials May 19th. Noticeably absent from the list of more than 2,600 invitees are the names of President Trump and the First Lady, as well as Barack Obama and Prime Minister Theresa May. 
There will be no political leaders at all invited, but there will reportedly be about 1,200 people the couple says have served their communities in some way. Mm-hmm. According to a new study, men are more likely than women to overestimate their intelligence. <laughs> Researchers studied a bunch of college students and found guys with average grades still rate themselves as smarter than two-thirds of their class. I'm smart. I just don't try. (laughs) It's too easy for me. And this one seems like a no-brainer. According to a new study, people who listen to music while exercising enjoy their workouts 28% more than those who didn't listen to anything. And those listening to music enjoyed it 13% more than those listening to a podcast. Uh, I can tell you that when I stopped taking my phone in and listening to stuff when I was working out, I I had much better workouts. Uh, well, what did you listen to, though? Well, I would listen to podcasts. Well, you need to That's listen why to you were having a bad workout. Grooving music to get you pumped. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I felt like sometimes, uh, um, you know, listening to Larry Wilmore was a really good way for me to get pumped up. Is, <laughs> is that a podcast you listen to? Yeah, sometimes. It's the most, like, low-key and chill. Oh, it's It's not... I'll get you going one. I no. mean, burrs will make you want to fight somebody, you know? <laughs> Maybe you should listen to that. Thing. Yeah. And what's the, who's the astrologist I listen to? Michael uh, Tyson. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Mike Tyson deGrasse. Mike Tyson deGrasse. Dude. No, he's an astronomer, not an astrologist. Mike deGrasse Tyson would be awesome. What's the difference, Val? <laughs> Is there a big difference there? Years of schooling, are you saying? <laughs> Is he telling your horoscope? <laughs> yes. He told me Capricorn. Well, look. <laughs> You have an outsized personality. How great would it be if there was a Mike DeGrasse Tyson I, I, podcast? They're really, I can't believe In Living Color hasn't come back based on that sketch premise alone. <laughs> a Florida woman was busted after repeatedly trying to get something off her chest. That would be her shirt, which she just tossed aside during a topless romp down Southeast Federal Highway in Florida. Joanne Linda Eden was detained by officers after a bystander called 911 to report she was hanging from a light pole, ranting at pedestrians, and yep. even tried to grope a guy who walked by. Yeah, yeah. Rampage. According to the police report, the suspect was rubbing her breasts in a circular motion while oh. sticking her tongue out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Deputies. That's when I'm deputies arrived on the scene. she wasn't hot. She was 63. <laughs> okay. She bared her crotch as well to another Whoa. innocent bystander, her, but uh, did agree aggressive. to get dressed when officers pressed her on the matter. She was arrested on an exposure in public charge. Uh, and there seems to be a rash of inappropriate behavior in public. Uh, this one also in Florida. Police caught Jacob Lawrence Morris after he pulled over several different times uh, near a beach where women were sunbathing and started enjoying his own company. Little did he know the last spot he pulled into was an unmarked police car. I love it when this happens. Uh, The arresting deputy said when he approached the man, he had his shorts pulled down below his knees uh, and was, as I said, enjoying his own company. The guy tried to take off. Police pursued him. He was arrested and charged with marijuana possession, exposure of a sex organ and fleeing from police. And this one from Massachusetts, a woman called police to say a man had exposed himself in a parking garage. The dispatcher told officers the caller was inconsolable. Police responded and found 25-year-old Amilcar Antonio Rivas Rivera enjoying his own company in the parking garage and exposing himself to passersby. He was arrested and charged with open and gross lewdness. 
I hope they had those prepaid tickets because, you know, <laughs> if he had to get out after that, it's no good. Yuck. Gross lewdness. Tracy Morgan now has a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. During yesterday's ceremony, Morgan joked that while he felt right at home on Hollywood Boulevard, he said the smell of weed and stale urine reminded of his childhood in the projects of Brooklyn. <laughs> and somebody vandalized James Franco's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which why does he have one? Yeah, that's James crazy. Franco? Yes. I don't know. I mean, somebody, he's been in a bunch of stuff. but <laughs> Somebody wrote douche on his star. <laughs> <laughs> that was the vandalism? Yeah. I mean, that could have been Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> right. That could have been one of his buddies. Uh, and T.J. Miller was arrested Monday in New York for allegedly calling in a fake bomb threat. According to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Connecticut, the former Silicon Valley star called 911 on March 18th to report that a female passenger aboard an Amtrak train heading to Washington, D.C. had a bomb in her bag. Officials stopped the train in Connecticut and evacuated passengers. A bomb squad did a search, but no explosives were found. USA Today says it was later discovered Miller was on a different train, which was also stopped with no explosives found, and that he had been removed from the train in New York because of intoxication. According to the complaint, an attendant said Miller had argued with a woman who was sitting nearby. He was released on a $100,000 bond yesterday, and he does face five years in prison if convicted. He oh, has been man. spiraling downward. Like, Didn't he like, yeah. beat up an Uber driver or something? And he was he got caught in the net of that Me Too, right? Uh, yes, he did. But yeah, first stuff uh, that happened during college. He, uh, he, you know, when he quit Silicon Valley... He was making all these statements that were really bizarre. I listened to him on the Nerdist podcast, and he was kind of, it seemed imbalanced. He's talking about like doing a lot of drugs and and partying and how it's like enabled him to achieve this new level of consciousness and stuff. And I think that's what's going on here. It's a little too much of that. Yeah, I just think he's not right right now. Yeah, you can't be calling him bomb threats. No, but he was in that Spielberg movie, Ready Player One, right? I'm guessing that uh, might have damaged his reputation with uh, Steven Spielberg. Is he in Deadpool 2? I don't know. I would guess so. Yeah. Right? Forecast today, clouds and sun temperatures uh, reaching into the low 50s. We might be turning the corner. It's 36 at DVE. You know our next guests from this famous goal call. But my favorite goal call, which I think uh, makes uh, the Benino goal call pale in comparison, is the Hagelin goal. It's the put the brakes on the Benino call and reverse it to the Hagelin call. (laughs) (laughs) Throw the brakes on there. Bupinder Hundal and Randeep Janda joining us right now from Hockey Night Punjabi. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? How are you? Doing good. Excited for playoff hockey here in Pittsburgh once again. And as you guys know, you, you first of all, you marched in the Stanley Cup parade a couple of years ago. So you've been a part of the celebration that's been going on the last couple of years here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you guys have uh, gotten pretty used to that, haven't you, in Pittsburgh? <laughs> I know. I'm I'm worried about having like uh, you know being a little too cocky about it. Too full of a belly. Yeah, uh, but tonight, you know, they they got the TV outside once again. Can you confirm? Uh, everybody basically stole that idea from us, right? 
you know, I, I, I think every team has its way of getting to that point of showing it on the big screen. I guess it just depends on what stage. But, hey, I mean, kudos to Pittsburgh for right off the bat, yeah, you know, showing the game on the big screen and not even wasting a single moment. No, no, we've been doing it since, mm-hmm. uh, you know, forever ago. I think it was like 2007 when we started doing that. But at any rate, so the hockey playoffs underway. Let's go around the league real quick. I want to get your guys' opinion, uh, and you can uh, toss it around there between the two of you. The Lightning and the Devils, who do you got? I'll take this first one. I mean, I, uh, I, I've got Tampa. I don't think you can really uh, underestimate. They seem like they've taken their foot off the gas the last couple yeah. of months dealing with uh, injuries and everything. But I think once the playoffs start, uh, New Jersey really has no shot. Taylor Hall's had a great year, but Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman, now you throw Ryan McDonough into that mix. Uh, that team's going to be, I think they're going to take it in probably five or six I was going to say, you think in five, they get it done. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm thinking it's six. Tampa, like Red Deep said, so much depth. Taylor Hall on his own. He's been fantastic, but I don't know if they have enough depth to compete with Tampa. Bruins and the Maple Leafs. Oh, I'm looking forward to this one. This one's going to be fun. Um, two really solid teams. Uh, the Bruins have been on an incredible roll, but the Toronto Maple Leafs, they have a lot of depth. Their top nine is just as good as anybody's. Um, the big question for the Leafs is going to be defense. Uh, they haven't been very solid, but Freddie Anderson has been fantastic in goal, and I think the Bruins have a little bit of better depth um, and a better defensive core overall. So I think this is going to go seven. I think it's a toss-up. Uh, I know a lot of people are leaning Bruins, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Leafs are able to pull it out. Okay, I disagree here, Bukunder. I think, uh, to quote the great Kevin Garnett, uh, Toronto can't, they're, they're not ready for a bar fight, and I think uh, Boston's going to take it to the gutter and and try to make it physical. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Winnipeg completely manhandle Toronto on a Saturday night. And I think Boston takes this personally. I think it'll go seven. It'll be tight. But I don't know if Toronto has the uh, uh, the, the kind of the power to deal with a, a physical team. And Boston's probably the worst matchup they could have asked for. I think Toronto would have preferred Tampa to Boston. Yeah, I'm hoping those guys beat the snot out of each other in <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> and, and same with the Caps and the Blue Jackets. I hope they can really take a lot out of each other's tank in that series. How, how do you like that one going? I see that one going seven as well. And here's, I know people in Pittsburgh will love this. I see Columbus winning this after seven. I just think that's the way that Sergei Bobrovsky plays in goal. He can steal a series. And look at that first line when you have a guy like Panarin and players of that ilk. I just think Columbus is the better team. Seth Jones is a North candidate for me this year. If not, I think he'll win it in the next couple of years. Columbus has moved up. They've got depth scoring. Washington's out in the first round, I think. I'm going, that's my upset of the, uh, the first round. Nice. I'll take it. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting with uh, Philip Grubauer uh, in net for the Capitals starting game one as opposed to Brayden Holpe. Obviously, we know Holpe has struggled uh, this season. Hasn't been the same goaltender that we saw last year in the regular season primarily. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting from the Washington perspective. Uh, yeah, I agree with Randeep. It's going to be seven. I think Washington could probably pull it out, but I think it's going to be very tough. Okay, and then here in Pittsburgh tonight, Flyers and Penguins underway, and the uh, somewhat overmatched Flyers didn't get a, a W in the regular season against the Penguins this year, who put up five goals every game. So if the Penguins score five goals, we just win, basically. Uh, what do you What do you see happening here in this series? Hey, look, I think there's a lot of anticipation for this series. I'll, I'll just 
give you a little anecdote here. Up in Canada, it's going to be broadcast on Hockey Night in Canada on CBC. So that's how much attention is going to be paid to this mm. and a lot of interest with regards to this Battle of Pennsylvania. So, look, you're right. I mean, the Penguins, they manhandled the Philadelphia Flyers. They won four out of four in the regular season. But to me, this is quite intriguing because the Penguins are facing a team like the Flyers that they haven't faced the last couple of years. And what I mean by that is, this Flyers team has absolutely zero to lose, which makes them kind of dangerous. Every series that the, play, uh, the Penguins have played the last couple of years, you know, in the first round, the Rangers had beaten them in 2015. You know, there's still some expectations there. Columbus had some expectations. Washington had some expectations. All the way down the line, the team that the Penguins were playing had some expectations. They had something to play for. This Flyers team has no pressure. They have no expectations. Many thought they wouldn't even make the playoffs. And what makes them dangerous, in my opinion, is that they really have been resilient all year. Their goaltending has been in a state of flux. Um, they've had lost 10 in a row be- you know, between the end of November and into December. So I think this is not going to be an easy series for the Penguins. I think they'll prevail. They're a far better team. But I think the Flyers are, are definitely going to make it interesting. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think Philly is just chippy. They're dangerous with Voracek and Drew, who looks like he's had a heart candidate type of year. Uh, for the difference for me, and it comes down to two things. It's goaltending. I think Pittsburgh is just better. I know Matt Murray hasn't had the best of years, but still, when it comes to the playoffs, Matt Murray has shown us that he delivers. So I would put full confidence in him. And on top of that, I think the differentiator this year for Pittsburgh is they're not a very good road team. So as long as they, they stay, you know, play well at home and they can steal a game in Pittsburgh or in Philadelphia as well, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins will be fine. I see this one going about six and Pittsburgh taking it. But really the difference for me will be in goal. I think these teams offensively, even though Philly didn't really do much of anything in the regular season against Pittsburgh, match up fairly evenly. The difference there is power play, and we know Pittsburgh is the best in the league. I just don't think Philly has the firepower to keep up with, uh, with the home team there for you guys. We're assuming that Elliott's going to start net for the Flyers uh, come tonight, but how long of a leash do you think um, he'll have You know, stating all the problems that you guys just mentioned about how their uh, position has been in flux this year? Well, I think from my standpoint, the biggest worry looking at Brian Elliott was what happened to him last year in Calgary, where there were games that perhaps Calgary should have won, and they didn't, and it was because of Brian Elliott that they didn't. So he, you know, at the moment that there's a soft goal that goes in from a Philadelphia perspective, I think you have to start thinking about making a switch, because if you don't, um, that could derail you not only in a game, uh, but it can derail you in the entire series. So, you know, Brian Elliott looked, has looked good the last couple of games since he's come back from his injury, but I think the leash for him is incredibly short. Okay. Yeah, historically, historically, he's shown that he really doesn't embrace the number one job when he's given it outright. He likes competition, so uh, <laughs> it's not a good scenario for Philly in this. So let, let me ask you this. For time purposes, uh, just on, on the West, who do you see in the Western Conference Final? Western Conference Final, I have Nashville versus San Jose. Pretty much the two teams that Pittsburgh has beaten the last two years in the Cup Final. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nashville, everybody's predicting because they're just so deep. And obviously with the Pittsburgh connection, you have a pretty solid third-line center there, Nick Bonino as well. So I just think when you look at that forward group, when you look at defense and what they have in Pekka Rene, I don't know if you can beat that team. San Jose will surprise a lot of people. 
but I think they're good net with Marty Jones. Defensively, Brett Burns, Vlasic. They've got a solid group there, and Evander Kane has been a difference maker from them uh, since he arrived from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I think with him, Couture, and Joe Pavelski, there's a, a kind of a new spirit there in that team. They can score, and they've got young guys that can shift in, too, with Thomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer. So I'm seeing Nashville versus San Jose. Bupinder, who do you got? I got Nashville and Anaheim, and I, I had Anaheim at the very beginning of the regular season. So I'm, I'm sticking with that. But, guys, watch out for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that should be a team to watch um, because I think they are just right there with Nashville. Uh, I, I think Nashville's got a little bit more, but if there's, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets are able to make a serious run here. Let me ask you this, okay, so, and then we're going to have to get going, but lastly here, uh, you know, your goal calls have become your signature. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the most popular one do you think you had this year? Oh, I would think, well, you know, now we get to call games with a, a player of Indian descent playing in the NHL, and that's Jujar Kara of the Edmonton Oilers. And by far, he has a ability for some reason to score on Saturday nights, especially when we're calling games, and that has resulted in some pretty good goal calls. So <laughs> if I had to choose, it would be that. Uh I, I got to tell you, you'll forever be known for the Benino call here, but uh, – I. I'm hoping, going forward, you know, you can come up with something for Broussard really big because we're we're counting on him big time in this postseason. <laughs> so I'm hoping to hear hey. some big Broussard calls from you. Hey, you guys got a fair share of calls. I mean, yes, yeah, Benino, 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 but there's bang, bang, Chris and, uh, and we'll work on it. We had one for Connor Sherry, and <laughs> we had one for Brian Rust, and yeah. I'm sure we'll come up with. All right. Hey, Bupinder, Randeep, thanks so much for your time this morning. Appreciate it from Hockey Night Punjabi. Uh, hey, Bupinder, thank you Hunal, guys and Randeep Janda. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, thank you to all the people out in Pittsburgh. Uh, you have a special place in our hearts for sure. So just wanted to say a, a shout-out to everybody listening in Pittsburgh. Well, the feeling is mutual, Bupinder. We'll talk to you soon. Take Thanks. care, buddy. Have a good one. Those guys are the best. They are. I love when they talked over each other three <laughs> times. <laughs> They're like, well, you know, there's, it was like when uh, those two comics did the, the Conan set, and they just both Rory did. and John yeah, Daly. Yeah, they just did yeah. their own sets over the top of one another. Well, listen, we were on a time crunch there. We were. They were really, look, they were efficient, okay? If nothing else. On the way. Mike Pursuta. We'll separate Mark that audio Madden. and post it on the podcast. Game one is hours away. DVE Sports. You know, uh, in talking with Bupinder and Randeep just now from Hockey Night Punjabi, not to get too far ahead of us. Uh, and uh, past the Flyers here, but... Uh, I guess sometimes there is to be careful what you wish for. Because I would like to see that come through with the Blue Jackets upsetting uh, the uh, the Caps. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. I know. But could be wrong. Yeah. Another tough series. Well, you said that derisively. Do you not? Did you not like the you don't like the, the Hockey Name Punjabi guys uh, analysis? No, I don't like that analysis. Oh, okay. I, I just I don't I don't think a great deal of that Columbus team. Do you think Jersey can do anything to slow down Tampa? Yes. I, I, see, I, I Jersey, I think, is really under the radar. That's the one where it seems I, like, based on the last month or so. I like that Jersey team. Maybe there's something there. I just think that Tampa team has incredible depth. Loaded for bear. Because they're naming, I mean, Kucherov, you're, you're, you're going down the lines, and no, they didn't even mention JT Miller. I would concur on Tampa as well. I think Tampa's one of the favorites in the East. Pittsburgh, Boston, Tampa, I think, are a level above everybody else. But I think Jersey is better than Columbus. 
I I just think there's a lot of good series to be. Uh, there's some, some great yeah, playoff I'm, I'm hockey excited. about to start happening. I think Winnipeg's coming out of the West. That look, that Bupinder said that. It's like look out, go for Winnipeg. But hey, it's all just throwing stuff at the wall right now. I... The Penguins need to, to uh, advance before. Uh, well, they just got to get past Philadelphia. One series at a time, Mike, and Mike Sullivan is pretty good at these. So far, he's 8-for-8 eight eight, uh, approaching it that way. Sports This Hour is brought to you by Caseda by Lutron Smart Lighting Controls. Let's have some fun with the numbers as we anticipate Game 1 tonight between the Penguins and the Flyers. It's one of three series to begin tonight. Uh, the Wild are at the Jets and the Kings at the Golden Knights. Tomorrow, the Devils at the Lightning, the Maple Leafs at the Bruins, the Blue Jackets at the Caps. The Avalanche at the Predators and the Sharks at the Ducks. Uh, let's count it down from 12 to 1. Uh, number 12, that's uh, the number of consecutive seasons the Penguins have qualified for postseason play. If you think that's an insignificant number, second is uh, Anaheim and Minnesota with six each. And then uh, Nashville with four straight playoff appearances. That's the Red Wings if they'd like to be in the playoffs. Right. Or the Rangers hmm. if, you, if you think that doesn't mean anything. Uh, number 11, uh, that's the number of consecutive games the Penguins won at home from January 17th through February 17th. That's the third longest such streak in franchise history. Penguins are very tough to beat here at the PPG Paints Arena. Number 10, that stands for the top 10 scores in the NHL, a distinction a lot of players shoot for every year. The Penguins are the only team with multiple top 10 scores this year. They have three of them. Evgeny Malkin, fourth uh, with 98 points. Phil Kessel, eighth with 90. And Sidney Crosby uh, has 89. He's 10th. Uh, number nine, uh, that's the number uh, of games in which Claude Giroux has had at least a point against the Penguins in his last 10 regular season assignments against Pittsburgh. Number eight, number of playoff series won by Mike Sullivan as the Penguins head coach. He has needed eight series to win eight series. Number seven, uh, number of games uh, won by Matt Murray in February. He went seven, one, and one in nine February starts. A little uh, sneak peek at the dominance he's capable of producing. Uh, number six, the number of games uh, in which Derek Broussard scored at least one point before he left the lineup mm -hmm. due to injury. He had uh, two goals and four assists during that six-game scoring streak. Number five, uh, that's the number of cups won by the Penguins. Number four, uh, Evgeny Malkin was fourth in the NHL with 98 points and fourth in goals with 42. He was the only player in the top five in each category. Number three, that's uh, the number of goals the Penguins needed to win 27 of their final 41 regular season games. They went 27-3-3 when they got at least three goals. Five was the number against Philly, but against just about everybody else, it was three. That doesn't seem like that tall in order for this team no, to get not at all. three goals. Uh, number two, uh, consecutive Cups won by the Penguins. They are trying for an historic sixth three-peat. And number one, the times that Sidney Crosby has played 82 regular season games. That would be this season. Those are some great stats. Wow. Yeah, it's just some stat minutia. I like it. Uh, how, well, did Olimata play every game this year? He did. How about that story? Might be. Uh... That's a hell of a bounce back year for him. It's one of the reasons I'm surmising that they felt like they could get by without Ian Cole because they really like 
the way Model played. All right, Double M, Mark Madden making his way into the studio right now. I'm going to take a break and come back, give it a little more time for Double M to stretch out in the next segment. I meant that figuratively, not literally, though you are free to go ahead and, and stretch. Huh? Uh, never mind, your mic's not on. Sorry. I can't control it. Huh? <laughs> That's Randy Bauman and the DV Morning Show. Congrats to Adam and Green Tree. He was the winner of the tickets for tonight's game for sending us a video. Yeah, tell us what a big fan he was. And then uh, he did like nice. a documentary of his own fandom in like a minute. It was really well done. That's and you gave him tickets. Yeah, for the game. There was okay. like a bunch of people. If to he's send such a videos. big fan, why didn't he have tickets in the first place? Uh, maybe he couldn't afford them. I don't care about the poor people. I know you don't, Mark Madden. <laughs> uh, the big screen is back for all the home Penguin games during That's the Stanley Cup That's where the poor Cup people playoffs. belong. Wh- where's that? Out there freeloading in front of the big screen. The big screen. <laughs> Mark Madden says it's for the poor people. Uh, I say it's for all the real fans who couldn't secure tickets to the game. And darn well, it, well, well, we're going to have you, a good you, old time. You would at least when the mic's on. <laughs> <laughs> Penguins games during the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, of course, will uh, be the, mm-hmm. you know uh, a huge outdoor party. They got DJs, uh, uh, face painters, interactive games. It's fun for the whole family no, on is, the it street. Is, it is really it's good. It's a blast, and you won't get run over. Appearances by special guests, including Iceberg, will take place leading up to the game time at the Key Bank Fan Zone outside of the People's Gate. So. Just uh, keep that in mind as Mark Madden It'll joins be us right now. It'll be fun. That's right. All of a sudden, he starts to think about all those great interviews he's had in the last few days and how tanking this promotion might not be in his best interest. Well, it's not really a promotion. Whoever shows up, shows up. Uh, it's a big deal. Yeah. But what I don't like about it, can I tell you what I don't like about it? What? Makes the traffic after the game unbearable. Yeah, that's a big drag. Kind of no gums things up before the game, too. Well, you know. You get... I'll be right across the street at Buford's Fifth Avenue. People <laughs> would like to come in there. We're having our own party for rich people. By the oh, way, okay. a great, uh, great interview yesterday with Sid. Yeah, well, it was a good couple days. You had Latang on before that, right? Mata, Latang, uh, a couple days ago, Sid and Sullivan yesterday. What was, of all of those interviews, what is your takeaway was the most revealing uh, bit of information you were able to extract? Uh, I don't know about revealing. Cause, you you're going to have to wait for Crosby to retire to actually count the uh, superstitions? Oh, yeah, that's right. Sid, I, I always want Sid to add up his pregame ritual, his superstitions. He he wouldn't do that. Uh, I, everybody's going to play their cards close to the vest. They're not going to say anything inflammatory. I, I talked with Sid about you know him sending all the things he did, the notes in the jersey to the to the survivors of the Humboldt uh, Very cool. Junior A hockey tragedy. Uh, you, you know, you expect Sid to do something great, but he always goes the extra mile. I You know, all the personalized stuff was just marvelous. Um before we talk hockey, I have to ask you about the Andre the Giant it was brilliant. documentary. I, I really loved it. Uh, I'm sure because you knew that scene so well, and you you knew. I, I never I never met Andre though. Oh really? No, never met Andre. Well, I'm wow. sure there were some things that you know. Look, you're able to sort of parse through the hyperbole here and there, you know. Um, but what was it, as far as you're concerned? Did they miss anything? Well, they, they exaggerated anything? some things. Okay. Uh, for example. Uh, the dope that writes wrestling for for Bill Simmons' website, The Ringer. Um, Which one is he? The bald guy? Yeah. When he said Andre was recognizable on a level with like Mick Jagger, you know, as big as any star in the world, that's just nonsense. Not even close. Andre might have been the most recognizable wrestler in the world, and that's pretty impressive in and of itself. In an era pre-cable and pre-internet, but uh, he he wasn't a star in the category of a of a movie star or a rock star. Uh, the notion he was undefeated wasn't true. Andre got beat, albeit very rarely, you know, uh, throughout his career. Uh, he, he had been body slammed before Hulk Hogan. In fact, he had been body slammed before Hulk Hogan by Hulk Hogan. And, and that was alluded to 
because uh, years before that uh, Andre Hogan match at WrestleMania three at the Pontiac Silverdome, uh, Hogan came to WWE as a bad guy. I remember he had like his chest hair shaved into the shape of a steer's head, and he was managed <laughs> by classy Freddie Blassie, and he uh, he he battled Andre at Shea Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> on the undercard of, uh, I, I want to say, the Bruno San Martino Larry Zabisco match. No kidding. So, uh, so uh, there, there were. Yeah, a lot I think of... that was it. I think you're right on that. <laughs> Mike, Mike's backing me up. <laughs> it, this isn't Steeler minutia time. It's wrestling minutia time there, pal. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, but overall, it was great. I thought it was very poignant. And I, I liked when uh, Jerry Lawler said that Andre just, it, it wasn't a comfortable existence. Yeah, that was... Uh, you know, the traveling was tough, the hotels were tough, the cars were tough, but... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, he was too big for this world. And all he, all he wanted to be was normal. And, and everybody said that, and, and I can't believe everybody would exaggerate that. All he ever wanted to be was normal. The furniture, everywhere he went, it was like living in a dollhouse. What That's must so crazy. Have been, what must have been the toughest is not being able to use the bathroom on a transcontinental uh, yeah. flight oh. and having to use a bucket if it comes to that. That's just brutal. Um, you know what they never did to him though. Like, remember there was a real heavy wrestler named Haystack Calhoun, right? Who, I know the who, name. Who couldn't use the bathroom either on those big fights? So the boys would give him X lax. They would slip X lax into his. Oh, food. just to mess with them. Oh. Just to mess with them. <laughs> Nobody ever did that with Andre though, on the penalty of like you know him killing him, them. Yeah, just murdering them. Well, yeah. well, I I told the story to you guys a, a moment ago. Uh, WrestleMania two had a battle royal featuring football players, and they had the football players at this training site with the ring and. Fats Holmes from the Steelers, Ernie Holmes, was a pretty Holmes. tough guy. Yeah, He had wrestled a bit in Georgia previously for Georgia Championship Wrestling, so he acted like he, A, knew everything already, and B, like he was the best athlete in the room, and he was running his mouth. And Andre listened to it for a while, and then he walked across the room and palmed Ernie's head like a basketball <laughs> and picked him up out of his chair and looked him in the face and said, you talk too much, do you understand? Put him back down, and Fats didn't talk for like two days. I mean, I... I I'm naive. I don't believe anything that the McMahons have to say about their role in caring <laughs> that, about anybody, that, though. That's a good philosophy. You know, like, but was there any instance where they didn't just wring out every ounce of marketable cash from a wrestler oh, no, as no, possible? No. Where, and instead well, the one thought, thing, like, hey, maybe we can help him actually get healthy here. The one thing they do do, I give him credit for, any wrestler or, you know, woman who works for them, you know, from how many years past... They will pay for their substance abuse rehabilitation, and they've done that time and again for a lot of wrestlers. I do give them credit for that. Uh, then again, I've always because ninety percent of the people who develop substance abuse problems are doing so out of pain management or out of steroid use, uh, uh, at least in that profession. Mm -hmm. But uh, by the same token, I've always wondered if they do that out of PR or out of legitimate concern for their former employees. Or it's probably cheaper to do that than getting sued. Yeah, boy, but that that nobody. Nobody turns on them, right? Because well, they they do, but legal cases involving wrestling are tough to win because the legal system adds only wrestling. Right. Look, look at all those years ago before, and, and I give wrestling a modicum of credit because they've tempered the steroid use to to a degree. It's still being used. Uh, they've 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 tried to help out the guys with the painkiller problems, but uh, when all those guys were dying, like you know, fifteen twenty years ago, one after the other, dying young that were yeah. wrestlers. Uh, some still in the business, like like my friend Eddie Guerrero and uh, Brian Pillman. Uh, the whole jet mainstream media overlooked it. Whenever it got to court, they kind of you know fudged it away because it's only wrestling. You know, it's fake wrestling. It's a phony world, 
and they acted like the people, like the deaths were phony too. It, it's a byproduct of being part of being a resident of the Island of Misfit Toys, which is what wrestling is. Okay, if you were coaching the Flyers, how would you tell them this is how we're going to beat the Penguins? Uh, funny you mentioned that. I'm, I wrote a column for the trip today, and I'm working on a blog in which I say it's tough to analyze this series because the Flyers don't have one single advantage. There is nothing you can look at that they have that's better. Their blue liners score more. Yeah, Provorov and uh, and uh, Gustus Bear do. The other guys stink. Yeah, I, okay, I guess you can make a case for that, but that's it. I mean, even the, the Penguins' PK is thought to be pretty bad, right? It's 17th in the league, uh, 80%. The Flyers is 29th and 75%, which mm. isn't good going up against this Penguins' against power this play. Against this power play, right. Yeah, and I, I one thing that's, that I don't, I don't agree with at all, and a lot of guys have tried to do it, some idiot on the NHL network named Mike Johnson, and now even Edzo and Pierre are talking about how the Flyers will try to stir it up like they did in 2012. How is this any remote connection to 2012? The Penguins have three players still on the team, Latang, Crosby, and Malkin. They seem to have prospered pretty well in pressure since then. Uh, everybody's older, more mature. They have a coach who's much better equipped to handle a situation like that in that he's not just, you know, uh, waving his manhood around trying to prove we're tougher than they are, like like Dan Bilesby insisted mm-hmm. his team did especially against the Flyers and Bruins back when. I just don't see that connection there. And I don't think the Flyers have the same kind of personnel that they did when they when they really pushed the envelope in terms of shenanigans in 2012, although it's in their DNA. I, I wouldn't count it out. They mm-hmm. still have a couple lunkheads like Gudas and Manning. But I, I just don't see that being something they can orchestrate. And if they do, I don't think it'll be successful. No. Mark Madden, you can uh, hear him broadcasting live from... Buford's. On 5th Avenue, right? Great gumbo. You ever have their gumbo? No, I'm going to have try a, their gumbo. I'll come down and have it today. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's You're going to the game. Absolutely. Are you going to be out with the poor people or in with the rich people? Well, I'll, I'll be in with uh, the people who have tickets for the game. Me, Val, and uh, Bill are going together. We're going to have 106 beers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's it? That's it. I'm very much looking forward to the game tonight. This seemed like a brief segment. Why is it brief? Um, well, Bupinder and Randeep took a lot of time earlier. Maybe that was it. You know who I? Uh, you know who I got to apologize to is uh, everybody. We pushed in a way, yeah, <laughs> metaphorically. Poor people. Uh, uh, no, never. Uh, Joe Bartnick was supposed to be my guest like the last two days, and he's yeah. great. The hockey talk with him was great. Oh, he's it's awesome. funny, but uh, but. but he got preempted by Latang Monday and Sid yesterday. Well, he under, he understands that. Oh, no, no, no. And we'll get him to, he'll be on the show tomorrow for sure. All right, good. Well, we're, I was going to make him come in with us too. So just work him to death. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only in town for a little while. Might as That's well. That's right. Make the most exactly. of it. I'm uh, I'll be McMahon to his uh, Andre. We'll squeeze every last drop <laughs> out of Joe Barney. <laughs> All <laughs> the hockey talk we can. Then yeah. throw him over our shoulders like a used beer can. <laughs> All right. We'll make him pee in a bucket. <laughs> 7 o'clock tonight. He does that anyway. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Mark Madden. Thanks to Bupinder Hundal and Randeep Janda from Hockey Night Punjabi. Also, thanks to Phil Bork. Big thanks to uh, Chip Demonic for coming in. That hey, was so awesome. Chip and the charge-ups playing the old 2-9er theme song live in studio this morning. That Chip's was awesome. That was awesome. Awesome metal guy. Uh, yeah, well, it sounded great. It's just killer. And uh, also thanks to Josh Yoey of The Athletic and Jeff Conkle. Don't forget, Burning Bridges Comedy Festival starts tonight. Shane Torres will be at Nordy's Place. It goes all the way through Sunday where uh, it will be capped off with your headliner, Bill Crawford. Go to burningbridgesfestival.com.
Com. Hey, what uh, what name are the Punjabi guys going to scream now? The Paninos. I asked him that. I said, can you come up with something for Broussard? Because that's the guy I really want to, you know, pick it up in the postseason. That's why we got him. And he didn't seem to uh, be too into hurrying that. They one should up. be really efficient. They say they should say the Pittsburgh goal scored by Zach Aston Reese. That's <laughs> Zach Aston Reese for Pittsburgh. Oh God, I would love it if they said that. <laughs> um, that's my breakout guy for these playoffs. By the way, well, I hope Benino two years ago, Gensel last year. Somebody's going to get hurt. Reese is going to move up the lineup. He's going to score a bunch of goals. He's a playoff type scorer. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's it. We're out of here. Thanks and congratulations to the winner of the tickets for tonight. Uh, was it Adam? Adam. Adam. Adam won. Michelle's coming up next. We'll see you guys at the game tonight. You can hear all of the action on our brother station. Your home of the Pittsburgh Penguins, 105.9 The X. Michelle's got the electric lunch coming up next at noon on DV. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him done, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm. 